welcome to Weed Kid Video. I'm Cameron Snape and I miss video stores so much I opened one in my own home, packed with the VHS tapes of the trash cinema I grew up watching at a highly inappropriate age. Every week I force my co-hosts Kira Jade Opitz and Brody McDonald to sit through a movie for us to discuss. So come on in, have a look around and sign up for a membership. This is Weed Kid Video. business i have several pieces of old business because i said i do them in the last pod you did these are actual old business related to correct other episodes just like little things so the difference between seppuku and harikari oh yeah uh there's not a difference but one refers to the ritual and seppuku is the more used term the other thing we were talking about is ice starting in japan yes very correct. It really did. Oh, wow. um, they actually used to give it to kamikaze pilots. Oh, I knew about that. Yeah. I knew about kamikaze pilots and, and speed. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was a Japanese chemist, I think, that made, uh, I hope that's correct. I did do the work, but yeah, a Japanese chemist who created it. They still give speed to American fighter pilots. Yeah. That's I mean, insane. that is a thing awake. though. That is a thing. I mean, that's also, I learned about that. Um, from fucking Battlestar Galactica because they were doing stims. Oh, there's stims. the episode where they do stims, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I started to like think about it and I'm like, I wonder if they do that in real life and I learned about do. that. Yeah. yeah. As we learned, Iron Eagle, they don't actually sleep while they're flying the planes. No, no, no. no. No, uh, no. The last thing is naked sushi, actually a thing, and it started with like geishas back in the day, they think. Okay. Yeah. There we go. There you go. Mm. Look at you doing your old business. I know. I felt so proud of myself. <laughs> I honestly thought you would never do it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I had, had to try. I had no faith in you, and I still don't, but good job. Well, here's proof that constant shaming gets people to do the work. Yeah. There you go. We've all learned a valuable lesson. (laughs) So my old business is kind of connected to the new business. Cool. But it's still old business. Kira and I watched the movie together this week. Ooh, interesting. Because you both have seen it, right? Yeah. But why did we watch it together, Kira? Were you scared? I played the fifth. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't want to watch it on her own. (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. She was like, I can't watch a Halloween movie with you not here. <laughs> That's so cute. I've never watched a horror movie on my own before. To be fair, though, this isn't that horrific. You know? No, it's actually compared to the other Halloween movies that I have seen. This was less. See, I know I've seen the other Halloweens, but I don't have a frame of reference. What are they like again? They're, they're like slasher actually they're more slasher movies. Slasher movies. Yeah, right. Here's okay. the other thing. About a half hour into the movie, <laughs> Kira realized... She's never seen this yeah, movie. Yeah, I've not uh, seen this movie. <laughs> so despite her claim last week on the podcast, which I think I cut out of the episode, that she had seen it. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't seen it. I thought I had seen it, thought I had seen it because Kian has talked about it. A lot. In this yeah. context of talking about how there's that one Halloween that doesn't have Michael Myers in it. Yeah. And, you, the, and, he, and also, and as we talked about at the end of last episode, the, the Dungeons and Dragons Yeah, we played a d game, like, game that was based on played. it. And he. Um, so I've heard the Silver Shamrock song yeah. and he's got one of the masks. Yeah. And so it was like one of my first notes is that I remember the – well, what I've written is I remember the plot but not the character, which is strange for me. Mm. And then it became actually I don't remember the plot or the characters. <laughs> Okay, mm. I haven't actually seen this. I just know that there are masks and Michael Myers isn't going to turn up. <laughs> it, it's so weird. So Ellie like popped in and out while I was watching this movie, right? And every single time she was just like, 
this is a hundred percent the D and D game we played. Like this is like he oh, just yeah. took everything from it, and I was like, yeah, it was a continuation. Yeah, yeah. I made a sequel. <laughs> Yeah. So the setup, uh, we I said we wanted to talk about the D&D, but I guess we can talk about the D&D. Yeah, the way like that I did the D&D was I said I made a, a sequel that was set 20 years later in the town of Santa Mira that had been, since yeah. become a kind of arts and crafty tourist destination after yep. the failure of the of the, the Silver Shamrock Factory and that you were all teenagers and one of you had a connection to Connell Cochran and then there was a Halloween party at the factory and then, yeah, shit, went that's down, right. and then shit went down. It's all coming back. Fuck. Yeah, I'll say it again. I was fucking fuming by the end of that game, but it was so good. It was actually so good. I'm just good. fuming because we played for 12 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. And at the end, I tried fucking everything and I couldn't figure out how to fucking anyway. Yeah. I'll stop swearing because I'm, I'm told that I swear too much on this pod. <laughs> you do. New business. New business. New business. This week, we're playing a joke on the children and audiences because Michael Myers has gone out to get cigarettes. We are talking about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. You don't really know much about Halloween. Halloween. The barriers will be down between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red. Halloween, the children. You happen to know anything about this Cochran? All I can tell you, mister, is watch out. Season He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Trick or treat, trick or treat. Hey, Mr. Cochran, just what is the final process? Fellas, I was just kidding. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. Hey! Where are they taking her? They're taking her to the factory. I want a mask. Can I have a mask? Uh, just what I had in mind for you, little buddy. Why, Cockers? Why? Do I need a reason? I've got nothing here to indicate there was ever a body at all. Operator, this is an emergency. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. You've got to believe me. They're going to kill us. All of us. Stop it. Halloween. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. Happy Halloween. Stop it! Halloween 3. Season of the Witch, the night no one comes home. Season of the Witch. So when they put this out, did they not know that it didn't have Michael Myers in it? Perhaps I'll talk about it within the context Ooh, of, interesting. The, of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so sourcing, all of my background information for this episode, except for the stuff that's just already flown around in my head, <laughs> is from two amazing books, one called Taking Shape, Developing Halloween from Script to Screen by Dustin McNeil and Travis Mullins. And also its sequel, Taking Shape 2, The Lost Halloween sequels. We'll put links to both of them in the description if you want to check them out. They're great. They're massive, but ridiculously massive books and exhaustive on all of the Halloween movies. Is there an audiobook version, Kane? No, there is not. Uh, I can't read. Version. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> fucked. Directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. He was a childhood friend of John Carpenter and grew uh, up with him in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Well, that's adorable. He went to film school. And then became an art director on John Carpenter's student film turned theatrical release, Dark Star. 
I've heard of that. Co-written by Dan O'Banion, who wrote Alien. It's fucking amazing. Is it big? Not really. Cult following. It's culty. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a very strange movie. Okay. There's an alien that's a beach ball. On the list? Probably not. Mm, okay, I might it's check a movie it out. That, it's a movie that I came to older because it was hard to find, so it cool, doesn't really cool, fit cool. into the realm of what we were talking about, but you should check it out. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I'm mad. Yeah. I I'm thought John Carpenter uh, it was in the credits for directing this. Did he I misread not, that? Yes. He oh, did not direct shit. this movie. Oh, We'll talk about why you maybe felt that way. Right, um, okay. Sticking with Carpenter, Tommy Lee Wallace was an art director on Assault from Precinct 13, production designer and co-editor on Halloween and The Fog. Ah. He's in the Michael Myers mask for the scene in the closet in the original Halloween. Shit. Ah. He turned down the directing chair for Halloween 2, which would have been his directing debut because he didn't like the script. Wow. And imagine the fucking balls of that move. Yeah. Considering he'd never directed a movie before. And then this movie is his film debut as a director. Wow. Yeah. Hectic. So he would also go on to direct Second Unit on Big Trouble in Little China for John Carpenter. Cool. He directed Fright Night 2, which I think is like super underrated. I really like that movie. Yeah, okay. Fright Night 2. Did you even know Fright Night? I know of them, but I didn't think the sequels were any good. Well, there's only one sequel. Oh. There's only Fright Night and Fright Night 2 in the, oh, okay. original, in the original run of movies. There is a remake yeah, from, okay, okay. with Anton Yelchin from the mid-2000s. Yep. And then there's like three sequels to that, which we don't talk about because they're yeah, directors. Right, okay. Director VOD and it. Horrendous. He directed the It miniseries from 1990, which scared an entire generation of kids about clowns. Oh, <laughs> is it really good? It's Tim Curry as It. Mad. I love when there's like a horror so, series that's fucking great. Shout out to my cousin Jessie because oh, that is Jessie. that is what caused her lifelong fear of clowns. <laughs> Wasn't it fear. the actual It movie? That yeah. That? yeah. No, well, the, it's the TV miniseries. Oh, it was the TV miniseries. In Australia, it was released on VHS as a movie. It didn't air on ah. television, but it's actually a TV miniseries. Tommy Lee Wallace would continue on directing mostly TV movies until 2002 when he directed another sequel to a John Carpenter movie. He directed... Vampires Los Murtos, which is the sequel to John Carpenter's Vampires. Huh. Uh, and that's his last credit. So he hasn't directed since 2002. In TV, he directed two episodes of Max Headroom and one hmm. episode of Baywatch. Mad. Hey. Mad. He's a member of the band, the Coupe de Villes. And if you know, you know. And if you don't, come back when we do Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> the Coupe de Villes. This movie was written by, well, that's complicated. <laughs> I'll say, Ken. So the idea for this sequel, and I'll talk a little bit about like kind of the history of the franchise and where it sits in the franchise a little bit later when yeah. we get into my backstory with the, with the movie. But the idea came from Deborah Hill, who was John Carpenter's co-writer on the original Halloween and producer of original Halloween. It's a great idea. And her pitch, her one-line pitch for this movie was witchcraft meets the computer age. Interesting. Okay. That's the entire idea that they had. On screen credited for the movie, solely as writer is Tommy Lee Wallace. He gets a written and directed by credit. Is that because he's a man? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. It's because he wrote a draft that was had an uncredited rewrite by John Carpenter. Right. right. That was based on a screenplay written, who was the original writer, named Nigel Neal. Okay. Now, Neal was suggested by the original director that was attached to this movie who's to that? write the movie which is Joe Dante. Why do I know that name? Because he was coming off a hit movie called The Howling. Oh, okay. He would leave 
this movie to direct a section of the Twilight Zone movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> And then go on to direct Gremlins, The Burbs, Gremlins right. 2, Small Soldiers. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. he was the original director attached to it, and he suggested Neil as a writer. Now, Neil was a British science fiction writer that was already quite old at that point because he'd been writing movies since the 1950s, stuff since the 1950s. And Carpenter, you. Carpenter and Dante were a massive fan of him because he created a character called Professor Quatermass, who is the proto-Doctor Who. Dope. He's a pre-Doctor Who, Doctor Who kind of character, although Neil would not like that connection because, anyway. So, <laughs> and Quatermass was a massive influence, those movies. They made movies, it was a, like a TV serial show in the 50s and eventually they made movies and everything and, and they made them into like the 70s, I think. Mm. That, a massive influence on an entire generation of filmmakers. Yeah. Right. Real life sci-fi. Massive kind of influence thing. on on John Carpenter. And there is other John Carpenter movies that are just quite a mass movies. There's a movie that John Carpenter directed where he took an un he took a he also wrote it, but he used a pseudonym for the writing credit and he used Quite a Mass as the last name of the writer. Duh. So I don't think we'll ever watch a Quite a Mass movie for part of the podcast because obviously it's not part of this yeah. era, but it's just it's it was huge, right? So they were really excited to have Nigel Neal come in and write their write their Halloween three movie. And Neil, according to legend, was a mean spirited Irish hating pain <laughs> in the ass <laughs> that would not follow instructions and do what they wanted. Well, there you go. He wrote Sounds a draft like someone of the, from the nineteen fifties. He wrote a draft of the script, and then when Carpenter and Wallace gave him notes, he just walked away from the movie. <laughs> he was so. Like, is that why there's Irish like, people as the villains? <laughs> It got toned down. <laughs> that's like that's why he was just like, no thanks, and he just walked away from the movie. Then John Carpenter rewrote the movie. Yeah. And then Tommy Lee Wallace rewrote that script as well to turn it into the final to the final film. But because Carpenter was a producer and very rarely took writing credits on anything that he wrote. So Tommy Lee Wallace is the solely credited writer of the movie, but that's not true. That's a crazy way of getting to a writing credit. Yeah. yeah. That is very messy. Yeah. In Taking Shape, Wallace says that Neil's script basically provided the spine of the movie and that the finished movie is about 60% what Neil wrote and that he and Carpenter made it more American, like brought it, added more kind of American pop cultural kind of touches, added Stonehenge and the robot assassins. Okay. And toned down the anti-Irish sentiments. (laughs) Robot assassins. (laughs) So I wonder what it was when there wasn't robot assassins. Well, they, I don't think that there was Irish. A, it was <laughs> Irish, just Irish. Yeah. Did he add the Stonehenge part? Yeah. I was so that's a way to take it away from the Irish because, like, I was so confused watching it. Like, it's not in Ireland, right? No, it's America. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. That's why it took that's, a lot of effort. No, no, no. On Stonehenge is not an island. No, no. Uh, yeah, but right. it doesn't Thank matter. You. It's still a Celtic. Yeah. Okay. That's right? where it comes in. Yeah. 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 Right. Thank you. Tommy Lee Wallace's revisions were massively influenced by Don Siegel's adaptation of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Ah, uh, yeah. Right? And that instead of people being replaced by pods, they're replaced by robots. Yeah. yeah. We'll yeah, talk more yeah. about that. I can get that throughout. Starring Tom Atkins as Dr. Dan Chalice. Is this, like, was he a person? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll find out. He didn't look real, like, when I say, is he a person? But that's, like, not what I'm getting at. Like, I understand he, what you're he saying. He feels like a heartthrob in this movie, but he ain't. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Okay, okay. 
It's actually one of the things I fucking love about it. So <laughs> There's a lot I actually really enjoy about this. He movie. was already a John Carpenter alum, having had roles in The Fog uh, and in Escape from New York. Oh. He's the commander's offsider in the beginning of Escape from New York. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. Before those, he had been featured in George A. Romero's Creep Show, which is an anthology horror movie. Cool. That is a non-licensed kind of knockoff of EC Comics' Tales from the Crypt. Ah, uh, cool. Yeah. A movie called The New Kids, which is a pretty creepy movie. He's iconic in a movie called Night of the Creeps, directed by Fred Decker, who's the co-writer and, and director of Monster Squad. He's in Lethal Weapon. Is who? He's in the first Lethal Weapon. He is the father of the of the the woman whose death they are investigating. Oh, so vaguely I can picture it. Yeah. He has the exact same mustache. And he's in. <laughs> he always has the exact same mustache. He's yeah. in Maniac Cop, and more. And he's still working. He's still wow. kicking around. He's in like his eighties. Fuck, he was having fun on this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Stacy Nelkin as Ellie Grimbridge. Great name. Looking respectfully, she is gorgeous, but I also feel like I've seen her everywhere. You have not, because really? she's barely been in anything. Her face looks so familiar. I think she just has a familiar looking face. Yeah, her yeah. eyes maybe. Around the same time that she was in this movie, she was cast in another science fiction movie where she was going to play a robot or an android. Interesting. Called Mary that had escaped with some other androids off world and came to Earth. Blade Runner. Ah. No. She was cast in Blade Runner that... Early during shooting, Ridley Scott decided they didn't need that character. And she was cut out of the movie. Leading to an infamous continuity error in that movie where characters refer to six Nexus 6 robots, androids ah. having escaped, when really Deckard only hunts five of them. And then that error was only ever corrected for the final cut that came out a few years, few, few years ago. Wow. Oh. So she's the missing Nexus 6. That's the Blade Runner. Huh. What a nice little Easter egg. Yeah. She also, I just want to say, again, looking respectfully, <laughs> she has a jawline that could fucking cut glass. <laughs> Okay, I didn't notice, but there you yeah. go. She was never in anything else that we were talking about. That's a disappointment because she, I found she her must quite just, good. She must just look like someone else. First. She has a face that I know I've seen. Yeah, yeah you know she did I mean? feel familiar. Yeah. But I thought that was because I'd seen the movie before, I, but I hadn't seen the movie before, so I don't know where I know I that face I specifically didn't look it up because I was like, oh, I can't wait for Keen to like, tell me all the things she's been in. She's been in stuff, but she's not been in anything that we would talk about on the podcast. And I don't think she's ever been in anything that you would have seen. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because usually I look. And if I think that, I like, uh, how often do I mention some teen, teen show yeah. that, that Kira loves, right? Because yeah. it's I like, mean, oh, you, you remember that person that's in this movie? Well, they're also in that thing that you love. Yeah, and you pretty much know what we have watched from yeah. our discussions. Yeah. yeah. There's another interesting story about her, which is a bit of a sidetrack. Cool, you, yeah, do it. it. Right. So when she was 17... She was in a romantic relationship, if you can call it that, with director Woody Allen. Oh. Oh, man. Woody, what are you That was the creepy inspiration for the movie Manhattan. Oh, she's that girl? Man. I've heard about that. Maybe that's where I know her from. Maybe maybe that is where you know her from. (laughs) Other cast I will talk about as they appear, including a surprise voice cameo that you guys probably didn't notice. Ooh. Is it the... Not the voiceover say. or the telephone operator? Not going to say. Damn it. We'll get to it when we get to it. Trailers, no trailers. This is a retail tape from 1997 and uh, so not a rental tape. Always a disappointment when there's no trailers. I'm actually kind of glad there's no trailers this week because I have so much to talk about. Oh, that if there good. were trailers, we would be here forever. <laughs> we may still be here forever. Yeah. <laughs> the 
who's going to recap the premise of Halloween 3 Season of the Witch? I think it's my turn, but I think it'd be more fun if you did it. Okay. Um, I did have a little brief think about it. I was going to prepare something, but basically it's an expansion on the Halloween lore where it's nothing to do with Halloween, but all to do about masks and Stonehenge and on kids Halloween. getting kill, killed on Halloween. <laughs> He used Halloween like six times, and each time he tried to use it in a different meaning, but they're all about Halloween. <laughs> all right, all right, hold on a sec. Uh, a toy company makes masks, and they're trying to get all the kids to wear them and use the masks to kill them. Just explaining the plot. <laughs> that, is that what I'm meant to be doing? Um, Stonehenge. <laughs> Mention Stonehenge sure. in there. It's really it's the plot makes no sense. It makes man. lots of sense. It's great. <laughs> if you have questions, you can ask it anytime. It's super loose. It's super loose. It's fantastic. In the Do you think there's a Janet Maslin? Ooh. We're not there yet. I know, but I know. In the Blockbuster Entertainment Guide to Movies and Videos from the year nineteen ninety-eight, Halloween three season of the witch. Surprisingly, the sequel abandons the repetition of its predecessors to make a new Halloween-themed story. A mad toy maker plots to turn the holiday into a real bloodbath with deadly masks, resulting in a minor but cleverly horrific scare show. Three stars. See, that's a premise. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, to be honest, I, I as soon as I start saying it, I always panic. But that's, <laughs> that's a high rating. That's a surprisingly high rating for this film. Yeah. Jan Maslin of the New York Times. Come on. Did not review oh, you. every time. But Brr. Vincent Canby of the New York Times did in October Good. of 1982. And he wrote, as long as there had to be a sequel to John Carpenter's Halloween and Halloween 2, both smash box office hits, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, written and directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, is probably as good as any cheerful ghoul could ask for. Halloween 3 expands the horizons of the first two movies and manages a not easy feat of being anti-children, anti-capitalism, anti-television and anti-Irish all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> The movie features a lot of carefully executed, comically horrible special effects in which characters have their heads unscrewed and their skulls cracked or turned into a nest of living cockroaches, ants and spiders and snakes. Halloween 3 means to be funny and frequently is. The sets, including a photogenic little town in Northern California and the mad toy maker's Dr. No-like laboratory, are unusually good. Mr. Wallace clearly has a fondness for the cliches he is parroting and he does so with style. So that's a pretty good review yeah. in the New York yeah. Times, right? Considering the reputation of this movie, which yeah. you guys kind of know a little bit about. I was under the impression everybody was very angry at this yeah. movie when it came out. Well, it is an interesting choice for a third in a franchise. Like, you can almost be like, maybe the fourth after it's like capped off, you know? More like the second. Like, you, you can reckon? make a movie and then you can make another movie that's in the same franchise, but it doesn't have any connection to the first one. And then that's yeah, the true. thing. But, but after if you've, you've done got, two, there's an expectation. Yeah, yeah. If you've done two, then it's like, okay, so Halloween is the one with Michael Myers. Yeah. You can't then go, now we're going to make a Halloween movie and we're going to just get, pretend like the other two didn't. Yeah. I have a second review for you. Oh. In comparison, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times wrote, there are a lot of problems with Halloween 3, but the most basic one is that I could never figure out what the villain wanted to accomplish if he got his way. Mm. His scheme is easy enough to figure. He wants to sell millions of Halloween masks to the nation's kitties and then brainwash them to put them on at the same time, whereupon laser beams at the base of the neck will fry the little tykes. Meanwhile, he runs a factory that turns out lifelike robots. What is his plan? Kill the kids and replace them with robots? Why? A half-baked scheme like that feels right at home in Halloween 3, which is a low-rent thriller from the first frame. This is one of those identikit movies assembled out of familiar parts of other better movies. It begins at the end of Halloween 2 when the monster was burned up in the hospital parking lot. 
In fact, the monster is forgotten, except for a lab technician who spends the whole movie sifting through his ashes. What? What? Yeah. It doesn't That's start not what happened. Roger Ebert didn't fucking watch this movie. Is there a scene at the end of Halloween 2 where someone's running with a mask? <laughs> That's not what he said. He said that basically that he thinks that the lab technician in this movie is sifting through Michael Myers' ashes from the end of Halloween 2. But he's not. Oh, my God. Yeah, he obviously didn't fucking like no. this movie. Wait for this. The one saving grace in Halloween 3 is Stacey Nelkin, who plays the heroine. She yeah. had one of those rich voices that makes you wish she had more to say in a better role. But watch her, too, in reaction shots when she's not talking. She's listening. She has a kind of rapt yet humorous attention that I thought was really fetch- fetching. Too bad her last scene plays without a head. Spoilers. Yeah. I so mean, he gets he the just, plot wrong and then he objectifies the female lady. Yeah. Yeah. He just liked looking at the pretty woman. Um, he's I don't super understand. Confused. Like you'd think that if you were watching a movie to write a review, you would pay attention at least to the start of the movie. Yeah. Richard Ebert is like kind of known for being a dick about his reviews, right? No, I mean, he's one of the guys. I mean, they had the show. There was Siskel and Ebert. They had a TV show together. They've yeah. notoriously hated a lot of movies that have since become classic movies. Yeah. And but they could make or break films, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to talk about my backstory with this movie. Sorry, can I just jump in? Just on those on those um, reviews, there's a reference to like them being like parodies of the things and things like that. And I was just thinking like, is it, is horror kind of entwined with comedy or is this a little bit of a pastiche? You know, is this like it's, a little bit of a parody of things? The thing about com- the thing about horror is that horror, think about horror basically as a set of rules. Yeah. Right. A slasher movie is a set of rules and Scream kind of makes fun of those rules, yeah. right? Don't go into the basement on your own. Yeah. Don't say I'll be right back. Don't All have those sex. Don't have sex. It's a series of rules and those rules are a contract with the audience, right? Yeah. Because the audience has an expectation that you will – that you will pay attention to all those rules. They understand what's happening. They yell at the person not to do the stupid thing yeah. that they know is going to get them killed, right? Wait. Yeah. But filmmakers know that you know those rules. So we can have a lot of fun with that. We can yeah. start playing with those rules. We can surprise you by having you having the, the person that has stalked and killed people, the slasher, have their head knocked off and be a robot. Yeah, like we can okay. we can have fun with it because there's there's leeway in that in that contract. So the comedy, I think this movie is kind of is pretty funny. Yeah, like there's funny stuff in it, and it's definitely funny on funny on purpose because it's playing with all your expectations. It's having a good time with you. Like the the funny thing is is I was thinking about this while I was having a shower this morning, and like I never really was a big fan of early horror because like I I respected the craft of like the gore and things like that and and the actual film craft but i always really kind of liked more modern horror movies where it was like these are the tropes and we're going to play with them but then watching this and i like originally kind of was like oh this just isn't good but then thinking about it more i was like oh it does kind of feel like it's making a joke of a lot of things and i was like oh it's kind of too early to be making a joke about a lot of these things right okay it's self-aware and Tommy Lee Wallace knows what movie he's making. Yeah, okay. He's making a pulpy B-movie of the stuff that he loved when he was a kid and turning it into – he's taken Evasion of the Body Snatchers and gr- grafting it onto a yeah. Halloween movie. 
and playing there is around. That but generation there's also, that's before but there's this, also right? that kind of messaging with like the anti-capitalist stuff and the and the yeah, he's, interesting. Po- he's commenting about pop culture. The thing about uh, about and this is more about John Carpenter, but John Carpenter is a very John Carpenter's movies have all of his kind of politics and social commentary built built into them in a way where he's he's making movies that are genre movies that are entertaining movies that are also political yeah in terms of his yeah, in terms okay. of like here's how I fucking see what's going on mm. right and I Tommy Lee Wallace and him are best mates right so yeah. it's the same thing they're definitely talking about about the kind of the capitalism of hell I mean it's about the commercialization of yeah, Halloween right sure. like both, it's literally about it's that it's literally yeah. about that yeah um is this like in terms of a generation of horror I saw this as being like one of the original generations of horror. But now when you think about like body snatchers and like the early like black and white kind of things, yeah. like this is like third generation horror, right? Fourth. How, Fourth. Like, think about like the original Universal Monsters, Dracula's in the 1930s. So that parody element of horror is already like built playing in with, by pl- this point? Playing with the form, playing with right. expectations. Right, okay. I watched, I watched Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which is a movie from the 1950s recently huh. and it is playing with your expectations wow okay it's it's a comedy movie it's a horror comedy movie that has Abbott and Costello meet fucking Dracula and Frankenstein and the wolf and the Wolfman, the universal monsters and yeah. it plays with your expectations of what those things are so my backstory with this movie is tied to the backstory of the movie itself so I'm going to start with some very brief historical cool. context right so obviously in 1978 John Carpenter and his girlfriend slash producer Deborah Hill make Halloween. It's a massive hit. Most profitable independent movie of all time until Blair Witch Project comes along. <laughs> in terms of the it ratio. was big in cinemas as well. Yeah, right? in terms yeah, of the yeah. ratio from budget to making money, it made more money than any movie with that with that lower budget ever made before. Wow. And of course, back then sequels weren't automatic. Cool. So 1978 is before Friday Thirteenth. It's before Nightmare on Elm Street. So there isn't. Hey, there's here's a new Friday Thirteenth every year yet. Right. So a couple of years pass. But the producers do want them to make a sequel. So it's almost a self-parody, like juicing a third one out of this and, <laughs> and then talking about the commercialism. Yeah, it is actually. <laughs> they want to make a sequel, but John and Deborah are keen to move on to other projects. Yeah. But they have an ownership stake in the original Halloween, right? So uh, they, they yeah. have to be consult they have to be consulted and contractually they have to be invo- have to be involved. Yeah. So they're kind of forced into making a sequel to Halloween. So they give in. And to quote Carpenter, the sequel is going to be made with or without us. And part of the reason for making the sequel was to get the money that we were owed, that was owed to both Deborah and I from the first movie. Being nice capitalists, we decided to go ahead and do that because they didn't. He, John Carpenter got paid like ten grand to direct the original Halloween. Wow! And he owned a stake of it, but he got none of the profits of that movie. And the same with Deborah. Same with oh Deborah. Oh my Hill. god! So they just made a sequel so that they get paid what they were owed for how big a hit the first one was. Right. That makes a lot of That's sense. Fair. John decides he doesn't want to direct it. But he and Deborah Hill write it together and they're going to produce it. And John, of course, is going to do the score because it's cheap yeah. to do it that way. To do it that way. Sorry, just to clarify, when you say he got paid 10000 is it does it not work the same with like directors and that? No. With royalties? No. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. No. You just get Ever paid to direct. Huh. Not, unless you are a name and you get a percentage of the profits oh, wow. as part of your That's contract. Normally rough. you're just paid to direct the movie. Wow. But actors get royalties. Wow. They get residuals. Residuals, yeah. yeah. So you said that before. Yes. So directors don't get residuals. Not necessarily, no. Not unless it's in their contract. And back then, no. 
Not at all. Does anyone other than actors generally get residuals? No. It's only actors that have that. fucking fascinating. they're also different guilds. They have different contract negotiations. And I guess it's their face. Yeah, but like directors though. Yeah. You know what I mean? No. That's crazy. Now these days, if you're a big director, you get a percentage of the profits. But then they also there's also what this what's called studio math, studio accounting, mm. where movies never go into profit. Oh right. So they don't have to pay you. <laughs> That's fucked. Even though it's a massive movie. So basically, Peter like Jackson, the top five Jackson, or ten. Peter Jackson sued Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema to get the money he was owed for Lord of the Rings because New Line tried to tell him that those movies didn't make money. Holy <laughs> shit. You can't pretend that something that, that was that successful didn't make money. Carpenter talks about his process for coming up with the screenplay. Mm-hmm. And it mainly dealt with a lot of beer sitting in front of a typewriter and saying, what the fuck am I doing? I don't know. That's <laughs> how you do everything in life, right? Which is why he decided to make... Spoilers to make Jamie Lee Curtis Michael Myers' sister in the second movie because he needed something for that fucking movie. Yeah, but it's also a big hit because everybody at this point knows that they like it, so they go to the actual movie. So they go, right? They want another sequel, and by this stage, John is like, well and truly sick of Michael Myers, and they do blow him up at the end of the second movie. Yeah, Yeah. blow him up at the at the end of the second movie. Deborah and he come up with a plan to turn Halloween into an anthology series with a new movie. Every year, every second year, linked to Halloween, but with no fucking Michael Myers. You kind of touched on this with when you were telling us about the history with D&D, and it's a shame that this didn't kind of take on, you know? Yeah, I think it would have been great if yeah. it had just been a series of anthology Halloween movies. Yeah. Honestly. It would be less messy than the continuity we have now. Anthology <laughs> horror is the best. And yeah, people fucking hated it because they went to go see a movie with Michael Myers on it, and then he wasn't in it, and they felt betrayed. Then mm. Carpenter and Wallace blamed the marketing, which did... No work to tell people that Michael Myers was not in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they really should have. The only thing Universal did was put on the poster a little, like, salesy button star-looking thing that said, all new. Yeah. That just makes it seem like it's an all new movie. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> like, don't worry, it's not the it first it, or the second movie. This is the third and, one. But well, we didn't lie to you. <laughs> what the fuck does all new mean with a new movie that's coming yeah. out? Yeah. It's not like it's a flavor of fucking Slopey. Yeah. I don't know. Did they just hope to trick people into going to see the movie there's thinking a, there was- There's also a, there's, there's other political reasons that I'll talk about as we kind of talk through the, through the movie, right? Just to ask. Yes. I, I'll ask a question here, but feel free to- Wave me off. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was an expansion of the law to like explain no. the mask. No. No, no, not connected uh, at all. It's a completely standalone movie. Oh, Michael my Myers God. Michael Myers does not exist in this. Michael Myers exist. is not wearing his fucking silver shamrock they, mask. They, they show the movie in this. Because it's a movie in this movie. Yeah, and I was like, wait, so is this an explanation of the, the Michael Myers mask? Because that's what I thought the connection was. No, no, there no, is no, no connection of any kind. Weird. Okay, right. That's why we gave and you so, a weird look when you said the it's a continuation of, of the law. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because we were both like, no, it's no, not. It's not. <laughs> right. Fucking Roger Ebert did it. Oh, well, it, I. I you closer than Roger also, Ebert. I had a memory of, of you other, saying that to me. No. It, the other thing is, is that because you haven't really seen the other Halloween movies, you don't yeah. have a context to place it in. So it doesn't. Yeah. You wouldn't have gone, oh, no, that doesn't work. Yeah, right, because you don't know that that doesn't work. Yeah, like yeah. I honestly cannot remember any details yes. about the first movie. When you just said Jamie Lee Curtis is his sister, I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember That's that why at I all. Said spoilers, because I thought you didn't know. Well, now you know. Yeah, I have also, seen it's him. It's not though. in the current continuity, so you don't need to worry about it. <laughs> but um, this movie franchise is a mess. Oh, it's crazy. 
Ellie should watch the first two Halloween movies. She's before, keen to. Before listening yeah. to this podcast. Oh, okay. Or watching, yeah, point. Or watching this movie. Yeah. She really needs, this is not the movie. If she has the expectation that this is what Halloween movies are, she's going to be like, She's going to be wrong. So she, she should really start with the original. She knows from the game that this one is not, is not the, like the typical. Others. But not yeah. even close to being like tonally like the like the first two movies. That's what I was going to ask. Like it does not feel scary really at all. I think it's creepy. It is a creepy. There's a yeah. lot of creepy elements. Yeah. You know what it's I mean? It's definitely creepy rather than scary. Yeah. Like the other Halloween movies are jump scary. Yeah. And, and oh my God, Michael Myers is going to get us mm-hmm. these movies. And this movie is not that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And the narrative around this movie, despite the fact that it did make money yeah. at the box office is that it sucks because the generation of people that grew up with this movie went to go see a Michael Myers movie and then didn't see a Michael Myers movie and felt betrayed. Yeah. Well, you would sit through the whole movie going, what the fuck? Where yeah. is Michael yeah. Myers? <laughs> Yeah. And that's the narrative that I grew up with. So I never saw this movie. Because you just heard that it sucked. Yes. My relationship with Halloween movies is kind of interesting in that I didn't really come to Halloween. I knew that what Halloween was. And obviously I've, I've been a massive John Carpenter fan since I was a small boy. Yeah. But because of availabilities, I had never seen the original Halloween until it like came out on DVD in the early 2000s. Wow. Because you just couldn't find it in a video store, right? Right. I had seen, I'd seen like Halloween four and Halloween five way before I'd seen the original, the original Halloween. That's crazy because it was successful. So, but but also like it comes out on videotape in like 1984 and then there's no new tapes of it. So when tapes die, they just go away. Yeah. Wow. They don't buy a replacement tape of the of Halloween, right? Right. So I just couldn't find <laughs> it in video stores, right? That sucks. And I got super into Halloween more when I was 16 and Halloween H20 came out and I went and saw that in a cinema and that was the first Halloween movie I saw in a cinema. How can we call cool. it Halloween H20 instead of H2O? Because H2O is water. Uh-huh. Oh. And there's the movie's not called Halloween H two O. The movie's called Halloween H twenty. Twenty years later, I I've heard. I've, al- I've always heard it referred to as <laughs> people Halloween refer to H2O. it as Halloween H two O, which yeah. doesn't make any sense because it's. No, I'm not going to yeah. make that joke. <laughs> um, I mean, that makes sense. It's just yeah, that's how I've always heard it. I'm yeah. so surprised that's how you came to this franchise. I know you like love this I franchise, know, right? In terms of like the Pantheon, the three pillars of of slashes, right? Yeah. Michael Myers is second on the list for me. After Freddy. Freddy. Oh, really? Yeah, Freddy's my favourite. Yeah. Oh, okay. Freddy's um, my favourite too. And so I was never, also never able to find Halloween 3 on VHS, and I thought it sucked. So why bother trying? So why bother trying? Mm. And so I didn't see this movie until 2017. Oh, wow. Seriously? Yes. And I fucking loved it. I do think like an older can would definitely love this. 2017? Yes. Yeah. I saw this movie. So you knew me. I saw this movie, <laughs> yeah, I knew you. I saw this movie for the first time on fucking streaming. Wow. Because I had no access to this movie as a child and I thought it sucked. That's crazy. Yeah, that is fascinating. The conversation has changed about this movie. As this movie has become more widely available because of digital and streaming and everything else and there is a 4K Blu-ray that exists, the conversation around it has changed and people are starting to take it on its own merits as opposed to where the fuck is Michael Myers? Yeah. And so it has a cult following. The, uh, the, here's a statement for you. Yeah. This is my 
equal first favourite Halloween movie. It's equal with the original Halloween. That's interesting. So yeah, and now this movie is widely available. You can stream it pretty much everywhere. You can rent it pretty much everywhere. It's streaming on two different services in Australia. It's streaming on Stan and on Amazon and Amazon Prime. So you can just watch this movie now. I didn't grow up in that environment. In that environment. Yeah. Okay. So now we're finally going to fucking talk through, through, the, through the movie. There's so much to talk about through this movie. I have so much to talk. about. Okay. There's so many interesting choices. So we we open with the now iconic because it's the third movie, Halloween Jack O' Lantern, but this time it's being scanned in line by line on a monitor. It, it took me a while to figure out that that's what was happening. Yeah. It's a, it's a cool opening though, right? And the music is timed. With the scan lines? Yes. The the sound of the scan lines is in the score? I thought that was like diegetic first. It's part of the score. It's literally in the track. Hectic. Yeah. And yes, this is a John Carpenter score. Which is the other reason why I felt like I'd seen it because Kian has the score, so I've heard the musical. Yeah. (laughs) With help by Alan uh, Haworth, who he would continue to work with on lots of things. And this is the part of the podcast where I make the whole internet really fucking mad and say- I like this score more than I like the original Halloween score. I There are times in this movie where the score is too much. Oh, I think it's never enough. It, it does the job, but it also is annoying. I think that it is this. My perspective on this score is that it is more musically interesting and less repetitive than the original Halloween score. It's so iconic, though, the original. It is, and it's iconic and it's great. And I'm not saying that the original Halloween score is not fucking amazing. I'm just saying I much prefer to listen to this score. I write to this score all the time. I can see that. It's a almost contemplative and it has a lot of suspense built into it. It's amazing. I have yeah. used it for backgrounds in D&D games. You've heard this score yeah, a bunch of times. I, I feel like I had, yeah. yeah. And then we start with our first scene. It's October, Saturday the 23rd in Northern California. There is a title on screen that says Northern California. Yeah, right? I thought that was an odd choice. Yeah, not Island. <laughs> <laughs> and we open with a man running away from someone who's chasing him in a car. He ends up hiding in a junkyard. He's trying to kind of get, he tries to go over a fence and he can't get over it. And then the fence is like head high, by the way. But there's also like bushes, there's stuff behind it. He can't get over, he can't get, uh, get yeah. over it. And then we watch as the car kind of stalks him. It drives past the entrance of the junkyard and then rolls back. And then the man is grabbed from behind by a sinister dude in a gray suit with black gloves. They end up struggling on the ground and the man pulls a wedge out from under a car in the junkyard and it crushes the goon, and he bolts, but not before making sure to grab Chekhov's Jacqueline Halloween mask that he's been carrying with him. I was very disappointed that when the car hit the guy, it was more gruesome. Well, but there's, there's a reason there's, for it. There's some yeah. gruesome stuff happening later. Yeah. yeah, the reaction of the guy getting crushed was odd. Yeah, which it was kind of those, like it was kind of like a. Yeah, those guys are acting odd and you can tell there's something up with them, you know, but like when I saw the wheel block, I was like, oh, sick. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's there's some better, there's some better goal later. There is. There's one that's like my, I fucking love it. The mouth? No, you'll see. Okay. One hour later, that title's always made me laugh. Why do we need to know that it's one (laughs) hour later? Just say later or just- We don't even need- Have a transition. It's bucketing down rain and as sky flashes with lightning at a gas station, an attendant, Walter, is watching TV. And on TV, there is a news report about how the blue stone of Stonehenge was stolen nine months ago and is missing. Yep. Is the blue stone actually a thing? Yeah. 
I don't know much about Stonehenge. Yeah. Followed by the first of many, many, many silver shamrock Halloween mask ads. Mm. Eight more days to Halloween. Eight more days to Halloween. 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 I can definitely see getting into this song, right? Eight more days to Halloween. 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 Eight more days to Set, obviously set to London Bridges Falling Down. Yeah. yeah. And now I, I can't hear London Bridges Falling Down without thinking of Silver Shamrock. I don't <laughs> think that this song will work on day seven. <laughs> I assume they change the days each day. Yeah, they do because those we get We a, don't get a day seven. Yeah, we don't though. get a seven. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it – because seven is two syllables or the other Seven ones. days – Oh. No, you just ram them together. Seven days to Halloween. Halloween yeah. Halloween. Oh, Okay. Yeah, all like. right. <laughs> Investigating a strange noise, Walter is jump scared by the man who mutters, they're coming. As he, I think he has a heart attack. I think he's having a heart attack. He's obviously kind of frail, in frail health. And yeah. as Walter, we watch as Walter drives the man away to help in his tow truck. And a suited goon is watching. He, the suited goon like steps into frame and then there's like a score stinger, mm. like a new, like mm-hmm. a synthy thing, which is a direct homage to Halloween, like Michael Myers yeah. does that in Halloween, yeah. right? And Tommy Lee Wallace talking about kind of directing this movie and of taking the director's chair from John Carpenter said that because he'd worked with John for a few movies, he felt like really confident in imitating his style and then adding kind of layers of his own style into the movie. And I kind of agree with him. I think this is the best John Carpenter movie that John Carpenter didn't direct. Feels very John Carpenter to me. But you mean also- out of the movies, like non-John Carpenter movies that are obviously like mimicking. Mimicking yeah, John Carpenter. Yeah. I feel like he does the best job of mimicking yeah, John Carpenter. Yeah, well, I definitely felt like it was John Carpenter. Yeah. Um, well, you thought he directed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see anything that I would be like, oh, yeah, this isn't him. Enter sex god Dr. Dan Chalice. <laughs> yeah, what the who's fuck, Who's arrived man? out of the rain at his ex-wife's house to see his, see his children. Yeah, this guy. It's, it's, play, it's meant to be funny. It's I get that. It's meant to be hilarious that this dude is a, he's, is a womanizer and that women just oh, fall for him all the time. Oh, okay. It's meant to be kind of like ridiculous. A parody, yeah. That, this... Right, okay. Right. That's interesting. I love that choice. It's great. Yeah. It's an interesting choice. It is. It's fascinating that they did that. I think Tom Atkins is kind of remarkable in this movie because he's a kind of an older dude. I'll talk a little bit about age later, right? Mm. He's kind of an older dude. He's got a little bit of he's got a little bit of extra weight, not a lot of extra weight. He's got like old weight. man buff, you know he's what got, I mean? Yeah, old man buffness, right? He's not this movie's all about teenagers. Yeah. You never see an older character. Yeah. That is fascinating. You never see a dude, an older adult man who has a stable job yeah, be the hero of these movies. He's a doctor. Like, he's not an idiot. He's a doctor. It's he so went to funny. medical school. I think How it's an amazing choice. It really is, like, when you start breaking this down, how much of this movie is a parody of itself. I don't think parody is the right word. No, you're right. But it's it's oh, self-aware. Yes, yes. Right. Um, it's interesting that throughout this whole process, the studio didn't step in and go, "Well, where's Michael Myers?" Okay. So, <laughs> well, they were on board with the the idea for an anthology movie. The uh, other thing is, is that this is an independently produced movie that had a distribution deal with a major studio. 
Oh, so okay. Halloween. So Universal Universal had the rights to distribute Halloween movies, but they're not actually involved in the production. They're just involved in the selling of those movies. Huh. The production is done by the production company that owns the rights to Halloween. Right. Him yep. and Deborah Hill. So there's like a collective of producers and and John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, and then a bunch of other producers all kind of own Halloween. Right? Yep. Now and I so understand. So they make okay. a movie, and then Universal. Sells the mo- sells the movie because cool, they cool, have cool. the rights to distribute Halloween. Right, they okay. don't have the rights to make a Halloween movie. Yeah, right. It's two different. It's two different things. Yep, yep, yep. So his kids are excited to see him, but his ex is definitely not. He's bought them some cheap Halloween masks, but they are very unimpressed because Mum already got them silver shamrock masks. Yeah, they put the masks on and start singing the song because they're already indoctrinated. Yeah, All right. The boy is Joshua John Miller. He's the son. He's so brief, like you would never know. Okay. Who he's, right? he's the son of the one of the stars of The Exorcist, Jason Miller. This is his film debut. He would go on to be in River's Edge, which is a movie that's on the list with Keanu, yeah. early Keanu Reeves' performance, and Near Dark, which is the second best vampire movie of 1987. Yeah, I've heard of that. Both of those movies are on the list. As an adult, he transitioned into writing and producing. He wrote The Final Girls, oh. which is a more mm. recent movie. It's basically kids get sucked into a into a Friday the Thirteenth ripoff movie. And oh, that just came out recently. The movie's like 15, 10 years old. Oh, okay. So he wrote that movie based on his own experiences of growing up with an adult who was a horror icon. Oh, that's oh. mad. Yeah, it must not be the one I'm thinking of. What's it called again? Not Final Happy Girls. Death Day. That's what I'm thinking. Is what of. you're thinking of? Yeah. Final Girls is a little bit is a little bit older. Final Girls. I'll check it out. You might en- you might enjoy it. it. It would really help if you've seen it. All the Friday the 13th movies. Well, I'll just have to then. Yeah. Chalice's ex-wife, Linda, is played by John Carpenter alum Nancy Keys, who's sometimes credited as Nancy Loomis. She's in Assault from Precinct 13, which she also oh. worked on as a wardrobe in the wardrobe department. So she actually was like behind the scenes and in front of Can the camera. Can you a quick reminder of Assault on Precinct 13? I, I know that. I know It's that. on the list. Don't worry about it. I know I know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there's a remake with Ethan Hawke and Lawrence Fishburne from the mid 2000s. That sounds familiar. Never watch a remake of a John Carpenter movie. It was the only thing I'm ever going to say to you. Okay. None of them are good. Yeah. I didn't mind the new thing, but it had nothing on the original. I'm not even going to respond to that because we will be here for the next 40 minutes of me yelling at you. Okay. Um, <laughs> she is Annie Brackett in Halloween. She's one of the victims oh. of Michael Myers in the original Halloween. Dope. And she's sometimes credited as Loomis. Nancy Loomis, yeah, Dr. Loomis. That's yeah. confusing. Yeah. Loomis is a character in Halloween. She's in The Fog, and at the time that she made this movie, she was married to director Tommy Lee Wallace. Ah. She currently teaches theatre. Well, there you go. Yeah. Is it not super funny that the hero of our fi- film is, like, in this world, a massive dick? It, it's kind of great. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of love following the bad, like a bad person. Yeah. Back with the movie, Charles's pager goes off and he has to call into the hospital. She says to him that, you know, drinking and doctoring is a great combination because he's an alcoholic. Yeah, massively. Yeah. The kids turn on the TV and there's a Silver Shamrock ad playing. After calling in, he's got to go. There's an emergency yeah. at the hospital, which is the old the old man. He's. We find out that the nurse, Agnes, called him because Dr. Castle had to leave early. That's going to be a reference or something, isn't it? Nick Castle, another friend of John Carpenter's, is the shape. He is Michael Myers in Halloween. Oh, shit. (laughs) They inspect the old man as Walter, the gas station attendant, explains how he found him. He's so fucking suspect the whole time. Well, he's just... 
he doesn't want to get involved in any trouble. Yeah, I know. He says, but like, yeah. if he he's almost making himself sound guilty, you know? Yeah. The man is clutching a jack-o'-lantern mask. And when the jingle plays on a TV nearby, he wakes up enough to whisker, whisper, they're going to kill us all, all of us. Yeah, and then the gas crazy. station dude backs the fuck He's up, like, which is what I'm, I'm doing in that situation. Yeah. yeah, he takes off. And then outside, a suit goon is watching the hospital. Later, Chalice needs a nap. Agnes, the older nurse, she tells him it's a quiet night and the doctor's lounge is empty. He gives her a little grope. A little slap on the bum. Uh, she gives And she gives him one back. Yeah, uh, and I'm like, they're obviously like, it's his work wife, you know what I mean? The... Suit goon is watching them, and as Charles goes to sleep in a lounge, we watch as the suit goon stalks through the hospital, putting on black gloves. He walks into the older man's room and kills the man by covering his mouth and tearing at the man's skull and brain by pulling it up through his eyeballs. Super pretty gross. brutal. The nurse comes in and sees him as he's wiping his bloody gloved hands on the curtains, which I thought oh, it's just a really creepy kind of fun touch. Yeah. And she screams as he just kind of walks away casually, waking mm. up Chalice, who chases the suit goon outside, where the suit goon gets into his car, covers himself in gasoline, and lights himself on fire. Fucking with the dope car choice. Up. Fucking dope choice. Amazing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I really loved it. The suit goon, he's referred to in the credits as as assassin, is played by the movie's stunt coordinator, and supremely aptly named for this movie, Dick Warlock. <laughs> You've now oh, just no. told me the name of my first son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Warlock has 213 stunt credits to his name and 42 as an actor. Wow. Yep. What a machine. He plays Michael Myers in Halloween 2. <laughs> so technically Michael Myers is in this movie. <laughs> there you go. He would walk, work with John Carpenter a bunch of times. He is Kurt Russell's stunt double on Escape from New York, The Thing, Big Trouble yeah. in Little China, and would continue to work with, with Kurt Russell for 25 years as wow. a stunt double. He also worked on Firestarter. I think maybe because John Carpenter was originally attached to, his, uh-huh. to the director. Uh-huh. Friday 13th Part 5, Commando, Quicksilver, the Kevin Bacon Fuck. Premium Rush bicycle movie yeah. that we saw the trailer for. The Running Man, The Abyss, Delta Force 2, The Columbian Connection, Child's Play 2 and 3, The Rocketeer Casino. He retired in like 2002. By the way, Dick Warlock is not his real name. Yeah, of course. His real name is Richard Anthony Lemming. Lemming. And later in his career, he was no longer credited as Dick Warlock. He was recorded. He was credited as Richard Warlock. Ah, that's 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 fair. That's that's a good switch. He should yeah. have transitioned into so porn Dick Warlock with a name is like, like a, that. Dick Warlock is one of those stunt guys that I have known the name of since I was a small child. I mean, you're not going to miss that name. His yeah. son, Billy Warlock, is one of the early stars of Baywatch. Well, Fuck. There you go. That's not even written down. That's just the thing I know. <laughs> I don't know why. In the aftermath of the of the explosion of the car, Chalice calls Linda because he can't pick up his kids, and she chews him out. But he arranges to pick them up next Saturday. And we get the impression that he flakes out. Such a dead He flakes all out all the time. Yeah, like he's just not there for his children yeah. in any way, shape, or drunk womanizing deadbeat. Yeah, yeah. He, he picks up the jack o' lantern mask and he sees on the back the trademark button for silver shamrock masks. Sunday the twenty fourth. Chalice watches as a young woman, Ellie Grimbridge, identifies her dead father, Harry Grimbridge, and a cop explains that a crazy man killed him and then killed himself. Drugs, pro- pro- probably. Mm-hmm. Drugs, probably. I mean, it's a good guess. 
she wants real answers and it's clear that Chalice kind of feels bad for her and is also very confused by what the fuck happened. Yeah. And then on Wednesday the 27th, Chalice visits the coroner's office to talk to assistant coroner Teddy to find out what the autopsy and the killer has turned up. It's taking a while because the guy's a pile of ashes and he asks her to check it out herself because this one has got it kind of, kind of spooked. They flirt because he flirts with every woman he engages yeah, he with really in this does. movie. I love, I I love that every single woman in this movie is he's just, just in love with him. Yeah, and he's so old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As they're leaving, there's a great moment where she kisses him. She does a little kiss. To, she like gives him a little kiss. It looked like they were going to make out, and then he just goes thanks and walks and walks away. Like yeah. she's clearly trying to initiate of like, like hey, let's. It's overt that they're trying to like that be like this guy's a sex symbol. Yeah. As he goes, she actually calls out to him asking him if he's all right. Because there's obviously something up something up. Yeah, he doesn't answer, right? No, he just keeps he just yeah. walks away. It's shot like through a doorway. We're seeing them in another room through a through a doorway. It's a good explanation of why she's doing things for him, like yeah. They used to have a thing. Yeah. yeah. Friday the 29th, Chalice is doing some day drinking at a bar to keep his mind off of things. Ken, there is nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I have been partial to some day drinking in my time. Especially drinking by yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Don't Sitting, drink by going, yourself. Going guys. to a bar <laughs> during the day on your own when you're the only patron in there. It's yeah. a bit awkward, I think. I think it's a bit awkward. On the TV is an ad for the immortal classic Halloween. Yeah. It is a movie within the reality of this movie, followed by the big giveaway brought to you by Silver Shamrock. Two more days till Halloween. Halloween, Halloween. Two more days till Halloween. Silver I love, Shamrock. I love the interaction between the bartender and Chalice. Chalice asks him to change the channel. And, oh, yeah. And the, and the bartender says, what's the matter? Don't you have any Halloween spirit? And Chalice's response is, no. Yeah. <laughs> Ellie comes in. One of the nurses told her that she could find him here. They just know that, oh, yeah, no, he's got a shift later. He's at the bar. Oh, I missed that. Why was <laughs> she looking for him? Well, so she saw him at the funeral. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I was wondering whether maybe there was a scene cut, whether there was a funeral scene where he uh, was at no, the funeral. I don't, think you, I don't think you need it. It's literally let's just cover it in a line of dialogue, right? Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Just something about the line itself made it feel like I should already know that he went to the funeral. I actually I know. the funeral too. Because he's because he wants to know what's going on. Like his, yeah, his it feels crazy. like overstepping. There's no scene where he went to the funeral. Okay. There was no almost no deleted scenes in this movie. Hmm. Everything that they shot is in this movie. Okay. She saw him at the funeral and wants to know if her father said anything before he died because she is obviously confused about it. He lies and tells her, he said, tell Ellie I love her. And she instantly just calls him on his bullshit. Yeah. yeah. He's a bad liar. He kind of stops her from leaving by telling her what he really said. They're going to kill us all. At this point, like. And he wants answers because he says, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just want to no, finish no, the thought. No, 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 you're right. And he wants answers because he, what he doesn't understand is like literally then a little while later, the guy died and he didn't just die of natural causes. He was fucking murdered. Mm. And Chalice wants to know what the fuck is going on. I hear you. And that in a writing sense makes sense, the steps, right? But like, I can't help. And you guys always pay me out for like putting them in a real world context. A lot of the things we watch, but like in a real world context, this seems over paranoid. You know what I mean? He did see a man light himself on fire. Fun. I was that pretty actually, curious. That's a good yeah. point. No, she's got uh, you, you You don't see that you every day. Yeah, and if you see that, you are then curious about what happened. You might not go as far as he goes. That's an excellent but point. But you were definitely 
keep an eye on the media. Yeah. Try to so, so see, if, did, did anyone hear anything? Did we ever figure out what was going on there? Very true. I rescind my statement. <laughs> You're right. You're very right. He saw a man pour gasoline on himself and light himself on fire. <laughs> yes. Very good points, guys. <laughs> At Harry's store, Ellie fills us in one more on the- Ellie fills us in that he was going out of business because everyone shops at the new mall mm. because capitalism. Yeah. She's been doing some detective work and her father, Harry, kept excellent records in his daily diary. And she's checked all of his meetings and he was there, but he went missing after an entry saying, pick up more masks. Yeah. The mask he was clutching and the mask that he sells in his store. Yeah. Because we see a display with silver shirt. Which mask is dope. I would definitely rock that on Halloween. Yeah, they're harder to find. <laughs> I do. So I own a replica of the skeleton mask. And yeah. I'd like to own both of the others. Yeah. But they are getting a little bit harder to find. There's there's a lot of generic like uh, uh, pumpkin masks that kind of look like it. I suppose it probably influenced I'm, a bit. I'm, yeah. Well, we'll talk. I'll talk specifically about masks when we get to the mask section. Cool, cool, cool. Because yeah. <laughs> there's a good story about masks. I've left out a piece of vital information that some people that maybe already know that piece of information might be might be like, oh, you didn't mention that. It's like, no, I'm saving that for later. Don't worry. Perfect. Nice. She thinks her father ran into trouble somewhere between here and Santa Mira, which is where they make the masks. It's not too far away. And then maybe they know something in Santa Mira. At a payphone. I love this. Chalice bails on his kids again to go to Santa Mira, this girl he just met. Such a shit dad. And Linda is so pissed off. And he lies. He says he's going to a doctor's conference and then like blows her off about what hotel. I don't remember the name so that she can't follow up on him. Uh, But he'll be back on Halloween to take them trick-or-treating. This is the point where like I started to realize, oh, they're going to get together, right? Yeah. And I know you probably don't want to talk about age right now, this is a very age-inappropriate relationship. Oh, you think? But it's also, not 100% clear on how old he is. Oh, you can tell. You can tell he's at least into his 50s or 60s. I do have a section. Oh, really? I yeah. do have a section. We'll talk about it. But one, one more thing. Sure. Uh, she's meant to be grieving, and he's a doctor in a, like, a small town that seems to be like one of the only doctors, and they just get up and go and leave, and like there's, there's no connection here. What are they doing? They're just both. He wants to know why the fuck a man poured, him, poured gasoline all over himself and set himself on fire in a car park, and she wants to know why her father died. I think it's perfectly, like within the reality of the movie, I think it's perfectly reasonable. Them going? Yeah. Yeah, but them having an instant connection? No. I don't think they have an instant connection. I think that, mm. I think that he is a dude that sees every woman as somebody that he could possibly sleep with. And, and I this think movie that, is parodying every woman in a horror? And no, and I think that that she's just I don't think that they're going to have a long and meaningful relationship. Right? No, of course not. No, yeah. no, no. Well, I just think yeah. that I just think that it's part of the texture of the movie. Yeah. I yeah. Don't, anyway, can, we'll, we'll get Yeah, that. yeah. Uh, what I love is that he has a six pack of beers on top of the payphone that he picks up if, as he goes over the cars because he had to get beers before he, before he goes. Yeah, how does anyone find this man attractive? <laughs> hey? I don't think he's in his 60s, man. Uh, when he takes off his shirt later, it's the way his body is. I'm like, hey, he's okay. 50 or 60, I reckon. As they drive off, 
we of course pan over to a store display of TVs because that used to be a thing or was only ever a thing in movies. I don't know because I was <laughs> barely alive when this movie came out. Two more days to Halloween. Today, Two more days to Halloween. 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 Two more days to Halloween. Silver Shamrock. Kara found her, her bit. For <laughs> yeah, it's a great bit. It's a great bit because every time you start, I'm like, no. And then by the end, of it, I'm like, yeah, no, do it all. As they travel to Santa Mira, and we get some shots of them driving through the countryside. We do get some ADR backstory. Voiceover? Yeah. It's the, well, it's, it, they didn't, I don't think they took the actors in the car at all for all the traveling shots. All the traveling shots are just like B unit. They just uh, go and film the car going across a, driving down a highway with a nice vista in the background, right? Yeah, so yeah. they add all the dialogue in just in post, in post production. Yeah, of course. Right. What I want to know is why they put their factory out here in the middle of nowhere. Santa Mira, founded 1887, farming community, grew up around a large dairy. After World War II, a wealthy Irishman, Colonel Cochran, converted it into a toy factory. Silver Shamrock Novelty. Now given over to the manufacture and sale of Halloween masks. Largest in the world. Proud community, predominantly Irish. Irish Halloween masks? California? You never know. I can see why you said it, D&D game here because it's such a good like it's such a good environment for that kind of world yeah Yeah. arriving in santa mira everyone in town stops what they're doing and watches them because it's a company town you guys notice that like everything is irish like so the pub is called the dublin inn yeah the bank is called shamrock savings we also see that they're being watched by security cameras because there's cctv cameras all over the town what the fuck was the camera vision that we saw Oh, that's later. Yeah, it's just a, I think it's just for effect. Yeah, because like clearly those cameras are not going to be that shit, right? No, probably not. Okay. It's a creepy sequence. It's like, it's Mm. building like the sense of unease. It's very like Wicker Man. It's very British horror. Children of the Corn. It's very, we go to a small town where we instantly know something is not quite right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It's great. This is a really great sequence. There is a shot that I love that I pointed out to Kira when we were watching that's looking down an alleyway with a suited goon in the foreground. He's silhouetted as the car just drives past. And it's just, it, that's the whole paranoia of the movie and the tone of the movie in like a single shot. It's just Mm. beautiful. I really like it. So this was a real small town in Northern California. I think it's called Loletta. I didn't, um, that only has a population of, of like 2000 people in huh. like the whole like re- so it's actually region. a place yeah it's a real small t- real small town oh because it definitely feels like a place that could be almost like built on a set you know what i mean yeah there's the train tracks it's a little me- if you were going to build it as a set you wouldn't build it as messy as this yeah interesting are, yeah but what's kind of amazing is that the silver shamrock factory kind of sits on the hill above the town you every single shot you see of santa mira you can see the factory in the back in the background the factory oh, really? dominates every single shot of the of the town that's mad uh, every kind of wider shot of the town like an old castle on a hill yeah i love that this sense of watching them yeah yeah on the coastline yeah it's great so as they kind of drive up to the factory ellie isn't ready to go in she thinks that they need a plan so chalice suggests that they pose as buyers ask around and get a room for the night at the local at the local hotel he says get some rooms and i was like oh great this is not going to be a weird age inappropriate relationship. They're going to keep separate. And then immediately they pretend to be married. So they go back down the street where there's a gas station and a motel right next to it. The 
motel is called the Rose of Shannon, which another Irish reference, and it's run by a man named Mr. Rafferty, who is very Irish, like terminally Irish. Thank you. I was going to say, like, like, how has this person got an Irish accent in, like, middle America? Well, there is an explanation for it that comes that comes later. Oh. So we'll, and I'll talk about that when we get, when we get to it. The homeless man? Yeah. But I thought that was an explanation for the robots, not the mm. other people in the town. I think that Rafferty's probably a plant. Do you uh, think that Rafferty is not a robot? I thought the people in the factory were robots and then just the other people in town were just company. I think, of, that's, I think that Rafferty is probably a fucking robot. I think Rafferty is probably a robot. Oh, interesting. Mm. I mean, he's got the little. Yeah, but the hidden. other ones that are clearly robots, like, don't really talk. There, there's the well. There's the the assassins, and I yeah. I think that I think there's every chance that most of the people in there are in this town. Interesting. So Rafferty shows them a room. It's cozy. It's quiet, and the price is right. As Chalice runs off to the office, he checks the registry and finds Harry Grimridge's name. Brazen plan. Just running straight in there while it being shown the yeah, room. Yeah. Yeah. He's starting to act like he's actually a police officer, not a doctor. Yeah. 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 And Rafferty helps Ellie with their bags. They're light packers. Yeah, she's just got they what They don't have anything. Yeah, she yeah. has what happens to have been in the car already. <laughs> yeah. Cochran drives past in his, very slowly in his town car. We don't see him. But we do, Rafferty says that Connell Cochran's a great man, a true genius. Mm. And then it's fucking happy hour in the parking lot because Chalice is almost run over by an RV carrying Buddy Kupfer and his family, Betty <laughs> yeah. and little Buddy. Uh, Buddy introduces himself to Chalice. And then a very angry Marge Gutman almost hits Chalice again. Yeah. <laughs> she's pissed she's going to stay another night because the factory has screwed up her order. The kid, when when he gets, like, roused on and he's riding his bike off. He gives them the finger. He doesn't, though. I swear he does th- with his pointer. It looks so weird. It's just his thumb out. He doesn't oh, okay. give them the finger, w- finger with his thumb out. So yeah, it right. It looked. It did look strange. Okay. Ellie and Chalice exchanged kind of their findings and come up with a plan. <laughs> she wants to go straight to the factory, but Chalice needs a drink. So they're going to stay the night. He reckons his clothes will hot out for another day. So maybe everything will be okay. By the way, he's just been wearing the same clothes the whole fucking movie. Yeah. So those clothes, yeah. have, he's already been wearing those clothes yeah. for a couple of days. Oh, he's one of those people who have like three versions of the same outfit. Yeah. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> He offers to get another room or to sleep in the car because it would be more comfortable from the floor, and then we get... Where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? That's a dumb question, Miss Grimpridge. And then they get... Yeah, that escalated quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Like, I get that they've made a connection and stuff and that they're going to work together and everything, but that, what, that part escalated. When did they escalated. make a connection? Well, they've been talking and it was a long, it was a we long drive. We don't know drive how long the drive and was. It just, it, but this it's part also, does sort of, it goes from like, oh, yeah, you're kind of, you're friends and you're getting along to, also, hey, let's have sex. It's a horror like, movie. Like, people f- sleep with each other for the drop of a hat in a horror movie. That's yeah, what that's I true. was thinking explains it. Like, is this, but in a horror movie, there's explanation. This just goes from well, usually two people teenagers. doing things. Do but, but do we need explanation? No, we don't. But that's what I'm saying. Like, is this recognizing this as, oh, this is that tropey horror beat that we're going to throw in with no explanation and just be like, ah, oh, it's coming from left field because it's like, you know, you want it in there. You know, you, you have to have this as part of it. And it's kind of a joke. There is a moment later that's played for a laugh that I think is fucking great. Okay. That only happens if they're having sex with each other. Yeah. Cause like, this is, this is the bit where I was like, nah, that, 
you haven't earned that. That's that's shit. But then I started to think about it again, like when I was doing my thinking in the shower, I was I like, it, oh, it's probably on purpose. I think a romantic comedy needs to earn it. A romantic comedy needs to earn that you believe and invest in the relationship. I don't think Halloween 3 Season of the Witch needs to do the work. Agreed, agreed. To, but, to get two people to sleep together. But what I mean is this like a <laughs> twist on the trope and going like, no, this is just in there because it's I the think trope? I it is the trope. I think the oh, only reason okay. that this that you bump on this scene is that they haven't, like he's been flirting with everyone else. He hasn't really been flirting with her. Like he's been flirting a little bit, but not like he overtly flirts with everyone else, like slapping the lady yeah. on the butt and kissing that other lady like usually he's quite overt with her we haven't seen that it probably happened in the car when we weren't watching but it just felt so weird and I, think I was like I bumped on it and I and I thought it was meant to feel weird no yeah I, I think just, that you were over, I actually think that I actually think that you were over analyzing this movie but the thing is is and like I know that I'm saying that yeah but I think this movie is self-aware I think it's using tropes and cliches of of, of paranoia and movies and horror and horror movies to play with those things because it's fun to play with those things because as I said horror is a series of rules and you can use those rules to have fun with an audience Mm. but I don't think that the movie is I mean we've already talked about your use of the word parody it's not a parody yeah I know it's inadequate self-aware yeah and also I think that you are trying to figure out a movie that doesn't like you were trying to figure something out and I don't think you need to figure something out. I think yeah. the movie is presenting itself as what it, as what it is. Right. So it's not like, oh, again, my words are failing me. I, it's it's not like a a a, a uh, self reflection on the genre. It's just uh, it's just a movie in the genre. It's a movie in the genre that is aware that it's a movie in the genre and it's having and is having fun, but not anything beyond that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. And but I thought you enjoyed it so much because it is one of those movies. That I enjoy it so much because it's fucking wild. Because <laughs> yeah, there's almost the choices nothing, are because wild. there's nothing, almost nothing else like it. Because mm-hmm. because of its place in the history of this fran- uh, this franchise, but okay. also because of the movie, the movie, the story, the story, the movie tells. I am super into, and we will talk about it as we go on. I love the ideas in this movie. Yeah, I get I love that. The, I love the concept. Yeah, I, so do like, I. Like, I love, it, it's just great. I just thought it was another, like, subtext to the comedy. You know, there's that comedy that's on the surface level, but then there's the genre-specific subtext I don't of the think comedy. that this is a, I think it's a movie that's self-aware. I do not think this is a movie that is meta. Thank you. That's kind of what I'm referring to. It's not meta. Right. It just knows what it is. We always talk about movies. We've talked a lot about movies knowing what they are and yeah. not knowing what they are. Yeah. Right? And I think that this is a movie that knows what it is. The director knows what type of movie he's trying to make. He's in like almost perfect tonal control of what he is, mm. what he is presenting. Okay. And I think that I think that it is what it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Cool. It's six o'clock. Six o'clock. Curfew. It's six o'clock. Yeah, I wasn't expecting there to be a curfew in this town. So loudspeakers all over the town tell residents it's time to confine their activities to their homes. The voice on the loudspeaker. Oh, who is it? It's Jamie Lee Curtis. 
I was oh. going to say it, but I didn't guess it. Oh, damn it. It is one of many voice cameos that she does in John Carpenter movies. I fucking love nice. Jamie Lee Curtis. She's, so the, fucking She's the fucking best, best, man. Yeah, she, she rules. She's so good. I'm so happy for her. Like, yeah. think... Like I know that people are the people are very mixed on the on the new Halloween movies, and I'm not going to get into my feelings about them because again, we'll be here for a long time. But like making but her character a strong I'm, female. No, I'm so proud. I'm so happy that she got fucking paid what she deserves. So, she's been able on the back of those movies. She's been able to move herself into starting a production company, huh. starting to produce movies, and get involved in development and have control of her career. At a at a later stage that she never ever had when she was oh, really? when she was younger, like those new movies, she already had money, so she was okay, she was comfortable. Yeah, those movies have have made her be able to do whatever the fuck she wants movie wise for the rest of her life. Yeah, and turned her back into a into a star that people will go and see in a movie theater because she's in those movies. You She's can, talking about making a sequel. She wants to make a sequel to Freaky Friday with Lindsay Lohan because she was in the the, the yeah, remake yeah, from remember. the early 2000s. She's like, let's do another one. And so, like, why would, like, because I'm pretty sure that's a Disney movie. Why would yeah. Disney not, like, not fucking jump on that? Right? Yeah. So I, she's going to um, get to do what she wants. I love her and I love, you can probably tell from, like, the style of my fiance, but, like, I love her style as well. Like, she's yeah. just fucking cool, man. Yeah. After Dark, as cameras sweep the town for movement and for people breaking curfew, Chalice really needed that drink. Yep. So yeah. he's going out to buy a bottle from the Shamrock store. Walking back through the alleyways, he runs into the town drunk. Uh, Starker is his name. It's never said on camera, but that's what he's credited as. That bottle looks pretty heavy. I ain't got no diseases. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, he's the town drunk. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose it's the two drunks meeting each other going, I get it. Yeah, Chalice obliges him and gives him gives him a hit out of the bottle yep. and then asks so. him about Cochrane because he also sees an opportunity to talk about, to yeah. ask some questions. And Starker tells him that Cochrane has killed the town, dried up the town, and brought in all the factory workers from Ireland. That's why I think that Rafferty is a... Yeah, yeah, I can um, see it. It makes sense. And that he's probably watching them now. He's definitely watching you, he says to mm. Chalice. And then Straker sounds off. Hey, Cochran, fuck you. Ooh, shh, shh, ah, it's all right. It's all right. It don't matter to me. He's probably listening. If he is, I got one thing to say. It's the last Halloween for that lousy factory of his. Pretty wild shit going on in there. I, I, I heard rumors. Like what? What'd you hear? This year... I'm going to get me about a case and a half of Molotov cocktails. Burn that son of a bitch right down. Last Halloween for them. Last Halloween. I was like in this moment, I was like, yeah, good for you, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Fuck company towns. And then they part ways and it's Strecker's little kind of camp out in what looks like kind of like a junkyard. Mm. Two suited goons jump him and just pull his head straight off. Yes, that's when you know that they right. are not human. Well, they do say that he was strong when he cracked the skull yeah. in the first yeah, day. Yeah, but more so when you pull yeah. someone's head off their yeah. body. Yeah. You can't be human. I think this is the most inadvertently funny death in this whole movie because it is. It, it's fun. I think this is funny on purpose. You don't the do. The silhouettes. Are you talking about yeah. the silhouettes? So I love that shot. So there's a wide shot where they dump his his head, right, and his body and his neck fountains, black, uh, black yeah. backlit blood. Yeah. It sprays like 
really high, really high in the air. You don't make blood spray like that mm. unless you were doing it on purpose. I laugh every time because it's fucking great. I that also, much blood coming out of a person's But do you neck. feel like it's also super like awkwardly comic how they like are like positioning themselves and it's just like this one dude in between two dudes they push him onto his knees and then they just pop his head just off. wrestle his head off it. it's the fucking weirdest look i really love it back at the roads of shannon marge and ellie run into each other as ellie had gone to the office to get a coke out of a vending machine i would assume because she's drinking a coke and uh, marge asks ellie if she's picking up her order at the factory Marge has had issues recently with her orders now that Silver Shamrock is a big deal. She gave up ordering by mail and she hates having to come and deal with them in person. She also says that the quality of the mask has kind of dropped off. She shows Ellie a busted mask where the trademark button with the Silver Shamrock logo on it has come right off the back of it after her four-year-old threw it at a wall. Back in Marge's room, she knocks the button onto the floor, which will become important. In the it is interesting when you know what else happens in this movie that they wouldn't be better crafted so that children can't take the thing that's going to, like, is kind of the whole point. I think the joke is that her four-year-old, like, is a pain and throw it at a like it's a from the perspective of reality as we like also, to sometimes yeah. imagine like from a, it also I think it, it's in their best interest if that thing stays on that, yeah. is, that is true but from a plot function point of view this gives yeah. us another death that we can fuck around with from yeah, also shows sure. us the reason that the uh, quality of the masks. I, I bumped on was because when she said that line, I actually thought it was going to be a plot point, like that uh, the fact that the quality of the masks has gone down is a clue of some kind. So I, I like, locked that away in my mind of I wonder whether that's going to be like a like a plot point, like something's going to happen later that's... It's and it's just not. so it's just, the back of the mask. Yeah, yeah, it's just so that you can see the back of the mask. But because of the context, like these two are investigating and, hey, she's found a, kind of like a witness. And you thought it was going to be more of a clue. Yeah, I thought it was either going to be a clue or like we know that the masks are faulty so we can do something with them or whatever. That's like, interesting. I thought uh, that's where... My brain went when she said that because at this point I knew that I had not seen this movie. Yeah, I did <laughs> and not, did not know how it ended. Coming. I will say that. No, because yeah. it, what's gr- well, one of the things I thought something like that was going to happen. Mm. One of the things that's great about this movie and one of the things I love about this movie is you are never ahead of the main characters. It is a mystery. That's that a is, real good point. It's a mystery that unravels as the characters discover it. The movie never cheats. The movie never. There's a lot we don't know because they don't figure because out. Because they don't figure out. Yeah. And the other thing is, is sometimes what happens with movies that are mysteries like this is that studios or filmmakers or whoever get nervous about leaving it so long before you know what's happening. So they let the audience get ahead of the characters. Mm. And I always like it when I'm on exactly the same page of discovery as the, as the characters. And in a slasher movie, you generally are behind the behind. Yeah. The characters, because the characters need to not know that there is a man walking around in the woods killing everybody until it's time for the whoever the final victim is to, you know, kill the killer. Yeah. I, I, I there was a point where I was like, oh, they're not explaining any, anything. And then I was like, oh, they're, they're not That's explaining anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do have one other thing. Sure. The curfew mm-hmm. includes cats. Because one of the men, when the curfew (laughs) happens, they bring the cat in. We do see a cat breaking curfew. Yeah, there is one rebel cat. Naughty cat. But I think it's cute that when everybody has to go inside, they also have to bring in their cats. Mm. Bring in your cats. Yep. (laughs) 
In Chalice and Ellie's hotel room, Ellie gets out of the shower and wraps herself damp and dripping in a blanket from the bed. And this is the yeah. most horrific thing that happens in the movie for me. Why? Because damp. <laughs> huh? Because she's damp and she doesn't put a towel. Ta- she puts a towel on, but then she just puts a blanket and then the so blanket's damp wet. So that is just bl- wet. And yeah. Then it's wet on the bed. Yeah. Horrendous. Horrendous, Joyce. <laughs> you are very accurate. But also, why is she cold? There's steam in the bathroom. Like, she know. clearly got out of a hot shower. Yeah, that I don't is. Know. Must be very cold outside of the shower. You know how sometimes <laughs> yeah, you get okay. out of the shower and then it's like, oh, but now it's I'm cold. Good point. Good point. Yeah. In bed, Marge is reading a Carlos Castaneda book. I was assuming that that was going to be a reference. It's a reference, right? It's kind of a reference. So Castaneda is, was a big deal in the 60s and 70s in neo-shamanism, Ooh. Okay. which is basically getting high on purity and going on spiritual journeys. How do I sign up? I know. His big hit was a book called The Teachings of Don Juan, about Castaneda's oh, apprenticeship, not Don, like not a Don Juan. Not, uh, right, right, okay. About Castaneda's apprenticeship, learning from a, a Yankee sorcerer hmm. about spirituality and how to live, mostly by doing peyote. <laughs> and the book was presented as a true story, but was entirely fictional. Nice. And even plagiarizes stuff from other books and places. And I read that book when I was in my early 20s. <laughs> no, I'm just going to leave that right there. Of course you did. Yeah. Chalice calls Teddy for an update, but someone fucked up. They've sent her an envelope full of the burnt up car, not the person. Is this someone nefarious working behind the scenes to swap the evidence? Or is this she can't differentiate between the, the car, car and the and- robot? Right. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. I love that. And it's not Michael Myers. <laughs> it's not Michael Myers. As Chalice walks into the hotel room, Ellie just jumps him and they yep. make love. This particular time. I think it's the, the mustache. <laughs> this particular time that, it, that that happened, it seemed like, again, that could, like, is something up here? Like, why is she, has someone spiked her drink? Like, what's. What? She's just into it. It's yeah. the mustache. Post game. They're laying in bed and the softcore music on the radio ends and the fucking jingle goes again. Two more days to Halloween. Ellie wants to go again. Chalice asks her if she's tired because, like, he's an old man. And then he says, wait, how old are you to her? It's like, too fucking late. Relax, I'm older than I look. Okay, we're going to play Guess the Age Gap. Do you know the answer? I know the answer. The the characters or actors? Well, let's just assume that the characters and the actors are the same age. I'm going to say... Because they could 35. be. 35. 35? You think she's 35? I think she's in her 20s and he's in his late 50s. Wait, did I do the math wrong? No, that's, that's fine. So you think there's like 35 years between them? Ish. Okay, that's a long time. I don't think that's the right math, but yes. Um, it's not that big an age difference. I think that he is in his 40s and she is in her 20s. 25 to 40. She looks about 19. Three. How many years between them? Oh, I'll say 18. like 27. 18 is where I... 18? Got with 27. 27. Tom Atkins was 47 when they made this movie. I was closer. So he's not quite 50. Stacey Nelkin was 23 when she made this movie. Fuck. So the gap is 24 years. I wasn't that far off. She could be his daughter. Yeah. She she looked about 19. This is also typical of the time, though. Yeah, this I was know. typical until like fairly, Again, fairly recently. I thought it was a meta commentary on it. You no, know what I mean? It's just the way that it's the reality of what happens in movies. They have a younger woman and an older guy all the time. Yeah, but this was obvious. Yeah. Back with Marge, uh, Carlos Castaneda is boring her. So she goes to turn out the lights. She spots the button on the very thick shag carpet. And there's something strange about the back of it. There's a microchip on the back. 
She pulls out a hairpin, starts fucking with it. And that's a bad idea because a laser fires out of it into her mouth. Back in the hotel room, <laughs> Ellie says, what's that? And Chalice is like, who cares? <laughs> I mean, I would definitely say that at that point too. Marge cares. Her mouth has been blasted open and she dies as uh, a bee crawls out of the gaping hole. I thought it was a spider. It's a it's a bee. Is it a big fuck off bee? It's a giant it? bee, yeah. Uh, at that point, what the fuck did you guys think was happening in this movie? <laughs> I had no fucking clue. I don't know because I think that I had merged in my head what I knew about this movie from what you had told me mm-hmm. and the episode of Buffy where the kids turn into their Halloween costumes. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so I knew that the masks did something to the kids, but I don't think I necessarily thought that they lasered them in the back of the head. So I couldn't remember from so, our yeah, D&D game. Yeah, I was a bit game. shocked from that. Yeah, because I did spoil all of this in our D&D Yeah, game. but I, I couldn't remember. But that remember, was a few, quite a few years ago. Yeah. I couldn't remember if the mask killed them or if the mask made them like into like little demons that went around murdering, you know that's what I mean? That's what I, I think I thought that they were going to turn them into yeah. something. I think yeah, that's right. where my merging of Buffy and this movie happened. Because there was a mind control element from our D&D game. I'm sure of it. Yeah. I obviously had to play with the mythology yeah, a little course. bit to yeah. make it work. I, you know, paid as much continuity as I wanted to. Yeah. So, right. So yeah. So the masks existed in the D&D game and mm. the, none of you ever put them on because you were, smarter than doing yeah. that. But basically, <laughs> yes, that player would have turned into a automaton that started killing everybody else. Yeah. Is what would have happened. But you yep. guys never did it. But well, that's not what would happen in this movie. So Chalice, in this movie you get lasered in the back of the head and then bugs start coming at you. The, the fucking um I mean we saw a little bit with the old man at the start when he got killed, but the fucking gore from this with the mouth ripped open. Yeah, and the shit mouth was, was creepy. Dope. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So Chalice and Ellie are woken by the sound of like cars outside of their motel room and it's a bunch of science goons taking Marge away in a white van. We see Chalice's butt. That's nah. bold at 47. Yeah. Um, yeah, good point. Like, good, good on, on him. him. Yeah. They check it out. I'm a doctor. But the science goons ignore him as she's driven away. Cochran pulls up. Connor Cochran is played by Dan O'Hurley. He's the old man, boss of OCP, Omni Consumer Products, in Robocop in Robocop 2. Behave yourself! I knew he looked familiar. He is Andrew Packard in Twin Peaks, drink. (laughs) And Cochran tells them it was a small accident and the lady's going to get the very best care at the factory where they have state-of-the-art emergency medical facility. And to be clear, she is actually dead. She's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking love Connell Cochran. Oh, he's great. He's great, man. He's a great character. He's, some of his also some of his performance choices are like fucking amazing. We'll yeah. talk about them. Do you think that they're going to turn her into an automaton or do you think that they're just going to get rid of the body? They're just no, I think she's body. gone, yeah. She's gone. Cochrane talks to his science goons about what happened. It was a misfire. And Chalice overhears them saying that. But Ellie stops Chalice from blowing their cover. Mm. Saturday the 30th. This was my mother's 23rd birthday. Oh. And I was nine months and two days old. Nice. Chalice calls Teddy again. There's no human remains. It's only gears and wires and cogs and shit. He asks her to find out what she can about Connell Cochran, and it's going to cost him a bunch of dinners when he gets back. (laughs) And when he hangs up, we crane Mm. down to see that there is a microphone and the conversation was being bugged. And then Chalice and Ellie go to the factory. In the office, they're told that her father picked up his shipment on the 21st. He signed for it. And then one of the the kind of delivery guys goes, yeah, it was, an, it was a man in an old green station wagon. 
the station wagon will become important in a second. And they're about to leave when Buddy and his family come in. They're there to see Mr. Cochrane. So Ellie and Chalice loiter as Cochrane comes in. We find out that Buddy is the number one seller of silver shamrock masks in the whole country. And then Cochrane also introduces himself to Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Mm. You I'm, gotta have a better fake last name if you're gonna pretend. Like you've had yeah. a few days, you could yeah. have come up with a plan for what you were gonna call yourselves. Yeah, I, I mean, at least be like, oh, that's funny. We have the same last name, or like anything, like not Smith, because Smith mm. is the most obvious. Yeah, I love this scene because it displays like old timey manners. Yeah. You know what I mean? How it's like, oh, uh, hello. And I was just about to invite you and all the, the interactions there were very um, antiquated and it's real nice and polite. I love it. Well, yeah. Connell, Connell Cochran's a gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. He's tells them that Marge is going to be fine. Mrs. Gutman is going to be fine. And he's going to replace their missing order free of charge. It's all mm. on him. And then, yeah, the Cupfords are going to go on a guided tour and Buddy asks if his friends can come along. Mm. And Cochrane was buddy just senior. about. Yeah, <laughs> buddy Senior, not Little Buddy. And Cochrane says that he was just about to ask them. We get a factory tour where they walk through the latex pouring and we kind of get an explanation of how. This how is cool, man. And this is where I'm going to talk about the masks. Dope. So the masks were created by Don Post Studios and Don Post is the grandfather of Halloween. Okay. In the 30s, he created the first latex masks that would hold their shape that you could pull over your whole uh. head. Fuck. And in the 50s, he worked on a bunch of movies as well as TV, and he was a pioneer in licensed Halloween masks for movies like Planet of the Apes, Star Wars, the classic Universal Monsters, so Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman, and Star Trek. Fuck, he would have made a bit of money, eh? And when John Carpenter needed a mask for his little uh, Halloween Uh serial killer movie, Tommy Lee Wallace, who was the production designer of Halloween, Went into a store, spent a few bucks on masks, including a Don Post Captain Kirk mask. Of course. That would be modified to become the face we know of Michael Myers, the shape. Of course. I wondered why you mentioned Star Trek. And so Tommy Lee Wallace designed the look of Michael Myers. Which yes. is the yeah. fact I left out earlier because to save it for, to save it for here. Famously, the mask is an inside-out Kirk mask. No, nope. no, nope. it's just it's painted white. Oh, right. Pulled off the eyebrows, made the eye holes bigger, aged it, painted it white, dyed the hair a different color. Wow, you know every detail about it, don't you? I've, yeah, because the mask is fucking iconic. Yeah, right? and I always thought it was inside-out, huh? No. For this movie, Deborah Hill said in Taking Shape that they didn't exactly have a whole lot of money for things like props. So they asked Don Post, who had actually provided the Shatner masks for Halloween 2 that they turned into the Michael Myers mask, if they could work out a deal. So the Skull and the Witch masks were adaptations of standard Don Post masks. Dope. So they just they were regular available ones. The Jack-O-Lantern was created specifically for Halloween 3. And as I mentioned, I own a, mm-hmm. I own a trick-or-treat studio's replica of the skeleton of the skeleton mask. Yeah, it even dope. has the silver shamrock yeah. button on the back of it, which is fantastic. As they're walking through, Cochrane ends up showing them into kind of a, like a toy museum where we see a lot of like automaton toys and a bunch of other Don Post masks mm. in that scene. Buddy helps us out with some backstory about Cochrane. Genius of the practical joke. He invented sticky toilet paper. Oh. Oh, 
you must know. The dead dwarf gag, the soft chainsaw, all his. No, gee, I didn't know that. And then continuing the tour, Little Buddy is doing his best Veruca Salt. Don't He wants a mask and he wants it now. Yeah. Cochrane insists that he have a mask that's been through final processing because that's important. But he wants to know what final processing is. Oh, it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that and some trade secrets. And then they go out into a loading dock and we see the door to final processing and Buddy wants a peek, but Cochrane won't let him in because it involves a lot of volatile chemicals. He doesn't want anybody to get hurt. Imagine needing to test a mask with volatile chemicals. Like, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing to that mask? Yeah. yeah. Quality, quality testing with volatile chemicals. Yeah. Seems and, safe. And while Chalice kind of like scopes out the door to final processing, we do hear overhear part of a conversation where Cochrane wants Buddy and his family to have breakfast with him tomorrow because he wants their input on some new marketing materials, mm. which is what's going to come later. Chalice kind of grabs Ellie and goes to move. And as they're kind of walking through the, the loading dock, all over the loading dock and up on a roof are strangely familiar suit goons. And behind a loading dock door, Ellie sees her father's station wagon. But when they go to check it out, all these goons just step out of nowhere. I yeah. fucking love the way that they just Scary. kind of like just appear. Like just, they're just standing behind walls. Yeah. Like, and one of them comes out from behind a building. And it's fucking great. The one thing that I think, is very carried through the Halloween franchise, as far as I understand, is just how creepy and intimidating a man standing is. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's kind Walking of the slowly. bit of That's this. Michael Myers' whole brand. Yeah. Michael Myers in the original Halloween just stands and looks at things yeah. the whole time. And that's what all the assassins do. Yeah. The suit goons are kind of corralling Ellie and Chalice. Cochrane laughs with Buddy about trade secrets. Yeah. Which is a nice touch. At the motel, I think it's time for the Marines. Mm-hmm. Chalice knocks back a quick drink because, of course, he's drinking. And Ellie thinks it's time to leave because she's scared. Chalice is just going to go call the cops. And then they can get out. This must be somebody's jurisdiction. Let's get the fuck out of here. She really wants them to get out in a hurry as well. Nope. Too big. Get out of Dodge let's City. Call the, let's call the cops. Yeah. And, and get the fuck out. Because the station wagon... Is clearly still there. They clearly did something to my father. Let's get the fuck out of town. Anyone else think that the call to the kids should have been made a little bit earlier by the by our, our Well, he doesn't know character. what's going on. Yeah, still. he doesn't know that the masks kill yet. Yeah, it is he a logic knows leap. That Connell Cochran kills. It is a logic leap. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right? In the office, he can't get a call through. Every time he dials the operator, he gets Jamie Lee Curtis telling him on a recorded <laughs> message that she can't complete his call. I'm sorry, we cannot complete your call as dialed. Because, yeah, that's also Jimmy Lee Curtis. <laughs> On TV, the jingle, One More Day to Halloween. Halloween, Halloween, <laughs> one more day till Halloween, silver <laughs> shamrock. Uh, back of the room, Ellie is just gone without a trace. And when Chalice goes to the door of the hotel room, there is just a line of suit goons backlit. Yeah, it's this fucking is nice, great. yeah. And then Chalice just closes the door and goes out the back window. He runs around town trying to hide from all these silver shamrock cars that are speeding around looking for him. And this is a great sequence too. Like yeah. really we're ratcheting the tension up at this point. But this is where there are parts in this sequence where I'm like, the score can fucking chill out a oh, little bit. Oh, I love the score in the sequence. It does the job. It does the job, like I said, but it's like basically an alarm. Like I thought there is a point where he's running through the room where it sounds like an alarm is going off. There's a, there's this the high-pitched sting. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but no. No, the score's fucking great. It does the job. It's it's good, but... 
This is the sequence where I'm going to talk about Dean Cundy, the cinematographer of this movie. We talked about him on the Tales from the Crypt episode. Yes. He was also the cinematographer of the first episode of Tales from the Crypt. Uh Uh-huh. I love the look of this movie. It's fucking filled with great-looking, wide-angle, anamorphic frames. Yep. The camera movement is never movement for movement's sake. It's always movement that is for a storytelling reason to move the camera. It's always a camera move that reveals a new piece of information in a scene or lays out geography. Yeah. It's fucking great. And it's also a movie that saves its close-ups for impact. Mm. There are very few mm. close-ups in this movie. Yeah, there is. There is one specifically we'll talk about talk about later that is literally one of the only close-ups in this movie. It's like mostly most, wide-angle frames. Most of the close-ups are like to do with masks and death. It's it's to insert story information. And when I say close-up, I mean very – not a medium. There's lots of mediums in this. Yeah. I mean specifically close-up okay. on, on a person's face. Okay. We do that – I I mean, I would have to go back and check, but I think we only do it once. Really? Everything else is medium shots. Uh, meaning I'm trying to think of it now. Like chest up. Yeah, okay. That's Even, what I'm talking about. That's a medium. That's not yeah. a close-up. A close-up yeah. is like in somebody in somebody's face is what I'm talking about. What's the difference between about. a medium close-up and extreme close-up? Well, an extreme close-up is, okay, so if we're talking about human faces, yeah. which is kind of, you use that as the gauge. I mean, it's obviously different when you're yeah. shooting a prop, right? So a medium is, for me is like chest up. Bust, yeah. Bust up, yeah. right? A close-up is a full face. An extreme close-up is part of a face. Ah, uh, see, I would have been, I would have thought like a close-up is a little bit wider than just the face. That's, I mean, lots of people talk about, it really depends. Like, okay. It, everybody makes up their own rules. Yeah, obviously you can go in between those. They're not steps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a reason that Steven Spielberg picked Dean Cundey to be the cinematographer in Jurassic Park. Mm. Because you see the exact same sense of geography. You see the exact, exact same sense of camera movement. It's fucking perfect. Yeah. I think the, the, the camera craft in this movie is actually kind of inc- kind of incredible. I think it's... He also shot Halloween and Halloween 2 as well. So the first three Halloween movies... Are I, I know you love this movie, but I feel like there are parts of this movie, like the camera work, that are almost like a little bit more than this movie, you know? I'm, I don't... Do you mean more than the subject matter? Yeah, like it elevates it a little bit. I think that you used to have to be really good at filmmaking to make a movie like this. What do you mean? So I think that I think that craft. This is part of a broader discussion about about movies. I retweeted something like last week about how like cheap movies look cheap now. Cheap movies used to not look cheap. Cheap movies used to used to have to hire a cinematographer that knew how to light a scene because you're shooting on film and if you don't shoot it right, it's dark and it's not exposed. Yeah, right. So there used to be a base level of craft that existed in every movie, no matter what, no matter the budget. You used to have to know how to make a movie to make a movie. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that people people do anymore. I think you can take a phone, you can buy a DSLR, you can do whatever, and you can just go out and make a movie, and that's great. That's freeing. It means that everybody can experiment, and it's not a elitist art form anymore. Yeah. But there yeah, also yeah. used to be a craft. We had to learn from other people how to make how to make a movie. The next echelon the, kind of thing. And it meant that it meant that cheap movies didn't look cheap. Yeah. Budget of this movie? Two and a half million dollars. Bullshit. Well I mean when so, you think about it that's plausible. So even to make a bad movie, you used to have to know how to make a movie. Yeah. Wow. So I don't think the mo- the movie the subject is a is above the craft. I think that the craft is interesting. Just good. I love that take. Yeah. 
Chalice finds a payphone but has no luck. He gets the same message and then makes his way into the factory, climbs in through a window through the toy museum, finding a door marked private. He goes in and finds an old lady sitting knitting in a chair. <laughs> Fucking love this. He confronts the old lady about where Ellie is yeah, <laughs> and then shakes her head straight off. The thing is is that I feel like he should have been able to figure that out sooner than he did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the face is what gives it away. Yeah. It does yeah. have, like, human fingers. It does, yeah. the way the yeah. gag is done is it's real. It's a real person's hands behind I was, coming, coming through. I, yeah. I definitely knew, like, it was some way fake, but I was like, it, like I thought it was just going to be like the creepy grandma of like <laughs> Connell Cochran and she, there was going to be a real creepy a like. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was obsessed with an automaton called the Mechanical Turk, which was a chess playing robot built in 1770. Yeah, Yeah. It was built to impress the Empress of Austria and its story is fucking amazing. It's super old, right? Well, it's 1770. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's a robot that was built in 1770. It toured the world under several different owners for like 84 years Mad. playing chess, beating, it had a winning Shut record, up. beating almost everybody, including Napoleon and Benjamin Franklin. Holy shit. Benjamin Franklin, before it was destroyed in a fire no. in, 18, in 1854. It was, in fact, a hoax. There was a guy in the box the whole time. Oh. Shit. But, it was just really good the, at chess. Back in the day, yeah, it actually had a couple of different, Settings. a couple of different, like, no masters over, like, really great chess players over the periods of time. Ah. Because it had different owners. It was dormant for, like, 20 years. It, like, sat in the corner of a palace for, like, 20 years, and then a new owner got it, and then they found a chess master that would, would was willing Agreed. to make some money and be in it and then sort of beat a bunch of people. Yeah, but it's a great story. That's it's a great story. That's so good. Is there yeah. a movie about that? No, but there should be, right? Yeah. 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 It's it's on my like list of things that maybe one day we'll think about atta- uh, attacking. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's a different kind of movie than what I usually write. So, yeah. yeah. But that feels like something that someone should have done. At yeah. Some that's point. a lot of fun. Chalice ends up getting grabbed and fighting a Sukun, punching him with no response. He realizes because he's just seen an uh, automaton that. The goon is an automaton as well. The goon throws him around. In this room in the background is a car collection. Huh? They're in like a warehouse. Oh, I know space. what's about to be Yeah, because we talked about it when we watched the movie. There's a kind of like, there's a bunch of like older cars. It's I didn't a even notice. Yeah, right. Uh, here's the thing. I've seen this movie lots of times. This is the first fucking time I've noticed this. Right. right. It's amazing. Charles gets thrown through boxes and yeah. it reveals one of the cars. Yeah. There's a fucking DeLorean in this movie. It's a DeLorean. (laughs) Now, this is before Back to the Future. Okay. Also, weird side note, Dean Cundy, the cinematographer of this movie, is the cinematographer of Back to the Future. Dean Cundy is a name I know. Well, we talked about him. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. So this is... That's where you know it. That's where you know it. (laughs) So this movie's 1982. So this is before Back to the Future comes out. 1982 is also the year they stopped production on the DeLorean. What's amazing about the fact that there's a DeLorean is not the fact that it's Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Do you know where DeLoreans were built? Uh, Do you know the story of the DeLorean? I know I've heard it, but I don't know. They were built in Belfast Island. So, of course, Connell Cochran owns a fucking DeLorean. That's such a nice detail. Irish. Because he's Irish. It's fucking... 
That's such a nice detail. This is the, f- I've seen this movie. This movie's only been a part of my life for a while, like five years or so, whatever. But I've seen this movie so many times in those five years. And this is the first time I've ever noticed there's a fucking DeLorean. Because you don't that. see the whole thing. You see like you just see the front. You see the front of it, front of with, the, of it. with the DMC yeah. logo on it. And I was like, oh my God, that's a fucking DeLorean. Fuck yeah. That's mad. Ian was very proud of me for recognizing that it was a DeLorean Good when he asked you. me what it was. Chalice ends up punching into the suit goon's guts and pulls out wires and yellow bile. And I love how none of it is explained. Oh, you can punch through the gut apparently, but not the head. Shocked, two more goons grab him and Cochran walks in holding the head of the old lady automaton. And he just fucking ignores Chalice as he is stroking that head Mm -hmm. and says, This was a rare piece, German. Made in Munich, 1785. Let's try to get a replacement. And then... Fucking hell, he's chewing that scenery. Wait, and then, oh, Mr. Chalice. Like, he just fucking (laughs) noticed he was there. It's so good. I don't think that he's going to be able to get a replacement for an automaton from 1770. No, I don't think so. so. It'll be morning soon, Halloween morning, a very busy day for him. He thinks Chalice, being a medical man, will find it quite interesting. Chalice is led out through the loading dock as the sun is coming up over Santa Mira. Cochrane takes a moment to breathe in the new day and then kind of does a little like peppy walk out of the <laughs> scene and it's fucking amazing. Yeah. Well, he's been waiting for this day for a long time. Yeah. He's very excited that about, it's Halloween. Everything about this character is dope. He's just such a, it's almost like, oh, tell me if I'm off base here, but it's almost like a, a mad, not he obviously totally is a, a mad, mad scientist, scientist, yeah. But like almost like a, uh, oh, the only thing I'm pulling at the moment is like a uh, Isle of Doctor Monroe kind of like kind rich of. confidence mad scientist. He he's obviously so pleased with himself and his plan mm. that there's a reason he keeps Chalice alive. It's so he can tell somebody about it. Yeah. Right? Like he wants people, he wants yeah, somebody to know the joke he's pulling on the children. Okay, he's I was, definitely having a nice time having someone to talk to. Yeah, like because he's just surrounded by robots person, all the time. So he's like very much enjoying this moment. Okay, I was going to say this at the end of the movie, but theory, and we can, you can slap it down <laughs> okay, if you sure. want. Here we go. The daughter is an automaton the whole time. No, I don't think so. There is there is little drips and drabs, like the scene that we were just talking about. She like doesn't get tired. Oh, she yeah. like yeah. she like doesn't uh, grieve properly. There's just I like there's that, little bits I that are like. Think mm. that you can, I think that there is a looseness in the text that you can read into it, but I think that the text is not is not supporting that. Mm. But have at it. She comes and finds him. And like the reason like that I can think of is like he clearly saw something sus and is investigating it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like Cole Cochran is a strange less, I also dude. just think it's less interesting if she's a plant. Yeah. And then it's like, why the fuck did this happen? You know what I why mean? Why him? But there's then there's, you need an explanation for why him and why. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so it complicates. And you think that it they doesn't would make sense that really. Well. No. Yeah, I don't it, think it doesn't make sense really. Here's the thing. Unlike most of your ridiculous theories or, or hang-ups, yeah. I actually think that that's kind of like that's an interesting thing to discuss, but yeah. I don't think the text supports it. But yeah. it is an interesting idea and lots of other movies would try to pull that off. There are little things that could support it, but it's almost like conspiracy theory support. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. In the lift down to the uh, processing floor, 
Cochran explains that the suit goons are really just another form of mask making, which is fucking great. He, it's so hand waved away. Yeah. It's just, it's no more advanced than one of them sneezes. And, and I love it's that. just, he's like, well, they're quite lifelike. Yeah. And I love how it's just like, no, I'm giving you nothing, but I'm, I can do this. And then he, I, wait, I have a question sure. about masks. Mm-hmm. So when we earlier in the movie, when we went through the, and um, we were looking at how they make the mask, is that really how they make all of the masks? Yeah. Cause like you, when you're you making think more like a factory. Well, it's more just like when you're making like thousands and thousands and thousands mm. of them. I feel like that's a lot of I, you need a lot of molds. It probably mm. is a process that has been industrialized where there are just like robots and machines that make masks, but the movie probably couldn't afford those, yeah. but it can afford to just get a have bunch people of pour have people in. pouring latex into into molds. I have yeah. another question. Why do they still have boxes of masks? If like, I was actually thinking that too. Okay, so this is this is this is something that is kind of weird. Is yeah. that they're still making masks? Yeah. It's Halloween day, and they they're still like shipping masks yeah. out all, all over the country for the last minute thing. It's like it's a little late, but yeah, you know what? The movie, yeah, are they all going to totally blow up because it the still boxes? has to be working factory? You know, maybe they weren't going to show it on their screen so that their masks didn't go off. Well, as we as we learned, they're not actually hazard. they're not broadcasting it from the factory, right? They've sent out tapes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So as long as they don't play it inside their factory, then the masks inside the factory shouldn't get set off. I think there's yeah. also other conditions where a human needs to be wearing it, but like it's all hand waved away. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? like None of that stuff. So really much hand waving. But, but again, it's one of those things that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Advanced Advanced ancient technology. Fuck Love yeah. that. So good. Yeah. And in a massive room, we see that the blue stone of Stonehenge is being mined. Mm. It's from an ancient sacrificial circle. We had a time getting it here. You wouldn't yeah. believe how we did it. <laughs> He's just so good. Even the ancient advanced technology, the way he delivers that line is it's ancient. Advanced technology. He yeah. just marinates in everything that he's doing. It's, it's Deborah Hill's one-liner. It's... It's witchcraft in the computer. Oh, in the yeah. Computer age. Yeah. It's oh. the mix of like modern technology for the time, the computers and everything, and like witchcraft. It's such a great idea. <laughs> it's such a great idea that it is a massive inspiration for the screenplay I'm writing right now. Oh, really? Yes. I love that this is called Season of the Witch, and literally the word witch is used once, and it's witchcraft. Yeah, yeah like, that's there's it. no witch in this there's movie. Nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's true, actually. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Because well, I just think of this as Halloween 3, not yeah. necessarily the, the season of the witch part. Because there's a witch mask. Was the witch mask like ever meant to be more important to the plot? No. No. Season of the Witch is taken from something else. It is a it is a turn of phrase from, from another piece of work that I did not ah. write down that I wish that I had, but they took the title from some, from something else. Old business. I think that there's a, there might be a poem or a story that's called season of the, season ah. of the witch. And then they took that. They took the title. I love this. Just that's cool. Sorry. I didn't mean to just not that's acknowledge fine. that this whole room. I love the setup of this whole the room. The way the monitors are all in a circle, the big stone in the background is just so good. It's, it's great. So I totally pictured it different when you did it. When in the I, yeah, because yeah. I did this room in the day in the day. Yeah, I also changed it. I made an observation deck that is not in. That's the, exactly not why in the... I pictured it different because I felt like the room had more scale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I changed it for 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 like plot and, sure. and gameplay reasons. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. The blue stone has a a, fo- a power in it, a force. 
And we see that every single one of those trademark buttons has particles from the stone put into the, the microchip over at a circle of computers and tape banks. Cochrane shows Chalice CCTV of Ellie strapped to a table. Cochrane explains that Marge Gutman was a misfire and what Chalice really needs to see is a demonstration of how it works and there's one coming right up. Yep. Mm. And in test room A, the Kupfer family comes in to a metal walled room that's set up like a lounge room. One of the suit goons gives Buddy a pen and paper for his notes yeah, to write notes because he's looking oh, yeah. at new marketing material. It's nice and, and believable. And yeah. Buddy can't figure out why they won't take his order for next year. Also, <laughs> as soon as you see a window that's not a window and a wall, get the fuck out of yeah, there. Yeah, you should not be in that room. Yeah. Cochran tells them to roll it and the science goon presses buttons on a control deck. Did you notice the number combination that is pushed in it's order not to the kind the of thing I would have. Uh, nah. It's 666. Of course uh, it is. Yeah. And in the test room, the tape for the big giveaway plays, but he's disappointed it's the same old stuff. It's the same old marketing, <laughs> the same jingle. Little buddy follows the instructions and puts on his mask. Don't get too close, you'll ruin your eyes. <laughs> so at least you are, <laughs> mate. Great. Watch the magic pumpkin. Uh, Mrs. Cuffer starts laughing because she thinks that this is all just a big joke. It's all just stupid. The Clover trademark button on the back of Buddy's mask starts flashing in time with the magic pumpkin. I thought it was. Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. And the mask starts to dissolve itself and little Buddy's face as he collapses <laughs> and bugs pour out of what have left so is his gross, face. So gross, so gross. It's fucking great. This is, the, this is the point where I like kind of sided with Ebert where I was like, what is the point here? He's just killing them? Like, that was my surprise. I was like, oh, I thought he was going to have a grander plan. He does have a grander plan. Later, later, I get it, and I fully get it, and I disagree with Eber. But mm. this is the point where I was like, oh, why is he just killing them? Yeah. Mm. It doesn't make sense. But also, what the fuck with the animals? So many bugs and yeah. snakes and... Uh, I don't understand that. That was a weird thing. It's the witchcraft. Right. Yeah, it's I do the, love it. Don't get me wrong. We're, we're transforming a we're transforming a child into a toad. Mm. We're melting their face into bugs and bugs and snakes through yeah. our ancient witchcraft and our lasers. The effects, the effects. Science how would they have like? Because like it, it. It's I know. Just a fake head filled with bugs. <laughs> Oh, that makes so much sense. Because it happens in camera and I was like, when did they replace the boy? But the boy's head probably wasn't in there as soon as the mask goes on. Well, yeah. So, the, well, you don't see the, so you see him collapse. Once he collapses onto the floor, it's a, it's a, like a belt. Yeah. Makeup yeah. Right. And the head is head in the mask of fa everything's fake. And then they're probably either the, the piping the bugs and stuff up through the bottom of the floor. Oh, that the makes sense. Out, right. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Mrs. Cuffer passes out and Big Buddy is bitten by a rattlesnake that came out of his son. And then we get sad fists of well, anger. Chalice almost like passes out. Like he almost swoons and faints at the Swoon. horror of it all. Um, but do you, did you not the, see the, the, fist, the yeah, sad I like fist? The fist. <laughs> I like it. I it great. was really nice, but it was like one of the Brody awkward moments of like. Mm. His response <laughs> to the horror of it, I think is actually kind of wonderful and something that you don't often yeah. see. Like he almost has a fainting spell at how horrific what he's seeing. He definitely reacts to the the horror, yeah. Yeah, he reacts like a father that has children that own those masks. Yeah. yeah. And then we get a montage. I fucking love this part. We get a montage of children all over America buying silver shamrock masks to the jingle and we see the scale of what is going to happen. Yeah, mm. and it seems like not just in the country. It feels like it might be like all over the world. It might be global, yeah. And we get, there's this great shot of the kids 
uh, silhouetted against the sunset yeah. walking towards their sunset. From the front cover. front cover? From the front cover, yeah, it's now, amazing. Can I ask, seeing as we've mentioned the front cover, what the fuck is the head on the front? <laughs> it's just marketing, bro. Right, okay, because I thought, like, that was the witch and it got cut out or something. No, it's just a poster. <laughs> it's interesting that, because um, all the kids have the masks, but they're not all dressed as skeletons, pumpkins, and, and, and witches. Some of them just they're have, just, like, regular the, the, costumes yeah, and they look at the mask. Yeah, they'll be like the a fairy with a skull. Yeah, I, that too. And, I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting... Yeah. Like, the person dressed as a witch on the front cover has the skull mask on and is wearing a witch hat, <laughs> and the one dressed as a fairy has the witch hat on. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you can buy... So NECA has action figure figurines of those of the three... Oh, man. Like little kids dressed in the masks as well. That's cool. But again, because it's fucking... Like those things go out of yeah. print. They're expensive. It costs like fucking 150 bucks to buy. Whoa. Toys, man. Yeah. Um, this is also where we see the van giving the message about getting home. That is the most sus message ever. <laughs> it's no more... Here's the thing. Gorilla marketing. I have something for, I have something <laughs> for you. This is no stranger... Then when fucking Pokemon Go came out and you would drive around the streets and see people. I remember going down driving past like down at the harbor near us mm. and seeing the dozens of people standing around looking at their looking at their phones because they knew that that was a location where you could find Pokemon. Yeah, but a white unmarked van driving around oh, a van, neighborhood no, no, with no, no. a I'm message about, plane. Yeah, sorry. So you're confusing more what I'm saying. The van, yeah, that's like that's But the fanaticism. But the, yeah. but the viral nature. Yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. And the like. We're all going to do this. We're all going to yeah, do it. totally get it. People just standing around trying to catch a fucking rare Pokemon because somebody <laughs> tweeted that there's a Pokemon at a harbour somewhere in a small town in Australia. <laughs> Poor Teddy. She tries to call the motel, gets no answer. And then a Sukun drills her in the ear after, after she's figured out that it's it. robots. I wish we saw it, The man. drill going in. Do you reckon she figured out that it's robots? I think that's a jump. That's what she did. No, she's just playing with a cog. No, she's figured it out. To l- oh, you reckon? Yeah, yeah. The movie totally plays it like she figured it out because she makes a phone call to another colleague to go, am I crazy? I need you to come down and check something out. Oh, yeah, says, you're right. He says, okay, I'll come on Monday, I'll come on Monday, which is too late because she's just about to get drilled in the face. Yeah, I wish no, they she's figured it out. Um, and, and, and Probably Cochran, not to all the detail, but enough. That and yeah. Cochran is taking care of loose ends. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought was happening where it was just like someone is investigating. Yeah. But they do kind of play it. You're right, yeah. Yeah. 7.30 in downtown Santa Mira and all is well. While in a testing room, Chalice is seat belted to a chair and asks Cochran why. Yeah, We're the gonna... seat belts are interesting. Yeah, like interesting. an interesting way to... To tie somebody to a yeah. chair. Mm. Yeah, but there are actually seat belts. So we're going to just cut in his whole speech, Cochran's whole explanation here because it's fucking fantastic. Yeah. Why, Cochran? Why? Do I need a reason? Mr. Cochran was right, you know. I do love a good joke and this is the... Best ever. A joke on the children. But there's a better reason. You don't really know much about Halloween. You thought no further than the strange custom of having your children wear masks and go out begging for candy. It was the start of the year in our old Celtic lands and we'd be waiting in our houses of wattles and clay. The barriers would be down, you see, between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in to sit by our fires of turf. Halloween. The 
festival of Samhain. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. Sacrifices. And part of our world. Our craft. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. It's not so different now. It's time again. In the end, we don't decide these things, you know. The planets do. They're in alignment. And it's time again. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. I love that it's witchcraft and fuck you, Ebert. It does make his sense. Plan it's, totally makes sense. Yeah. He's making a sacrifice to his to his gods. Yeah. He's making a sacrifice to, to the dead in the way that his ancient 100%. people did. And he says the last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red with blood and animals because he was there. Oh, I thought that, but like I just dismissed it because like oh, it's not said out loud. He's a 3,000-year-old warlock. Aha, uh-huh, that's dope. He's the witch. He is, in fact, the witch. Oh, that's dope. I love that. I yes. love that. Has that been confirmed Wait, by the filmmakers? Or? That, yeah, that's the that's the reading of the, of the plot. He puts the skeleton mask on Chalice and turns on the TV. Halloween is on. Yeah. Because the big giveaway is coming up. And the score in the movie shifts from the score of Halloween 3 to the score of the original Halloween. Oh, nice. And it's fucking great. That's fucking cool. In the movie on TV, Laurie has just started her walk over to the Doyle's house to check out what's going on. And we know from the clock in the room that it's 7.49. Now, for me, this is where the whole movie falls apart because I did the math. (laughs) And at this point in the original Halloween, there's only 20 minutes to go. And yet the big giveaway is in an hour and 10 minutes. So that means that there's 15 minutes of ad time before the uh, before the giveaway starts, and I just don't think that that's realistic. <laughs> it could have been a couple of episodes of... Uh, Tales from the Crypt. Yes, this get out of my head. It hadn't started airing yet. Oh, dear. That didn't start until 1989. Maybe they're going to show Halloween 2. Oh, yeah, maybe. 50 minutes of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, now, t- yeah, no, with ads, yeah. 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 I was just one of those things where I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I love <laughs> that you did that. Yeah. I have... Too much time on my hands. God bless you, sir. And not enough time on my hands. <laughs> As science goon is watching Charles on a CCTV to make sure that he doesn't escape, but he also has to like turn some knobs and flick some switches on a panel. Mm. So he doesn't see Charles kick the portable TV and use the glass of the tube to cut his way out of the, the seatbelts. Which I thought was kind of clever. He breaks that screen way too easy. I mean, I've never had one of those TVs, but like, I feel like the kick wouldn't mm. smash that screen. No, I feel like if you kicked a, I kicked one of those TVs hard enough, you could smash the screen. Remember what I was going to say? Sure. Is the celebration of Samhain or whatever, is that a real thing? Samhain? Yeah, Samhain is the original or one of the names of Halloween. Oh. Yeah, because Halloween is a kind of a bastardization of of, a couple of things. A couple of different different things. And yeah, Samhain is. Samhain has been mentioned before and it's mentioned in, I can't remember if it's the original Halloween or in Halloween 2. Dr. Loomis talks about Samhain, but he mispronounces it Samhain (laughs) because Uh that's how it's spelt. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fuck yeah, I'm going to look it up. Chalice throws his skeleton mask perfectly onto the camera. Yeah, that is a good that aim. Throw. I'm pretty sure it's a reverse shot. Yeah, it had to have yeah. been. The science goon looks back 
at the monitor and tells Cochrane. How do you reverse that though? Stream? You just pull it. You just yeah. pull it off. There's an IMDb trivia piece of information that says it took like 18 takes for them to get that perfect. And I'm like, I'm looking at the shot and I'm like, that's reversed. Yeah, hundred like percent. The way it sits reversed. on that camera, it like goes Flops to a complete stop the, into the a way that the, the throw inertia wouldn't. is completely. Yeah, completely thank wrong. you, thank you. Yeah, the inertia just, wouldn't stop that so way. It's probably just fishing wire, and they just pull it. They just pull oh, it okay. Until he catches it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not done it's in not one, one shot. shot so it's a yeah. cutaway. Oh yeah. So he just throws it, and it and then goes wherever the camera. You reverse the shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. The science goon, yeah, looks back at the monitor and then goes to tell Cochrane what's that something's going on, but he's too polite to interrupt Cochrane. Who's on the phone to a TV this station? Is, this is the problem with working with robots. Yeah. <laughs> also, because he programmed the robots clearly not to interrupt him. Exactly. So it's his mistake. It's Cochrane's exactly. mistake. Oh, well done, guys. I like Cochrane's on the phone to a TV station who are really excited about the wild rating success that this is being. And by the way, the view of the CCTV with the mask is a very nice touch because it looks exactly like the opening sequence of Halloween where we see through a mask from Michael's point of view. Oh, uh, Chalice escapes through a human-sized vent. Yep. Which exists, apparently. <laughs> if the movies that we have watched for <laughs> so many years are anything to go by, yeah. all vents can be crawled through. I, I, I believe that- I thought I'd be able to crawl through more vents as a child. <laughs> so uh, I felt, a, I felt it coming. running back. <laughs> uh, the thing is, is like, I can believe that like the vent- Somewhere along the line is big enough to crawl through, but, but like not the, the vent whole in way. the room is never that big. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. it's eight eleven. Cochrane finally gets off the phone and sees that Chalice is on the loose. I love the way that the robot holds up the the vent cover as a way <laughs> yeah. to the CCTV. <laughs> it's just such a strange bit of business, but it like it tells you everything. Like, yeah, it yeah. Does. yeah, without them being able to talk, it, yeah. tell, it tells you everything that's going on. Chalice then there's this sequence where he kind of sneaks over the roof and then kind of like back into a factory. They do do this fun thing where he pops up right next to a CCTV camera. I love that. Has to pop, yeah. back, pop back down. So he ends up back into the into the kind of warehouse part of the factory and he hides from it. He tries to go into a room and then he can't get into it. And, and yeah. so he hides from some suit goons that are now looking for him and he calls his ex-wife, Linda, and he can barely speak, telling her to get rid of the mask. Listen, listen, listen. You have to get rid of the mask. The silver shamrock. Santa Mira, and they killed Buddy Cuffer. It's all family. They killed him. But she just yells at him because she thinks that he's drunk, and then which hangs like up he on could him. be, yeah, <laughs> and then hangs up on him. He goes and finds Ellie strapped up, frees her, and Cochran's watching the whole the whole time on CCTV. They end up coming back down into the blue stone chamber. Mm-hmm. The snake with the rack of masks makes me laugh. Every fucking time I watch this movie. Sorry, the what? So they come down into the room and then they sneak across the room by hiding behind oh, the rack yeah, of masks yeah, yeah. that they move, they move yeah. across. Chalice, as they're kind of sneaking around, stumbles across a box that is full of trademark buttons and made more than they needed. Mm-hmm. Sneaks over to the computer circle, pushes 666 and starts the big giveaway playing in the room. So did he see the code being put in before? Yes. I was like, is he a well, hacker? He was standing How does he know right what to do? He's right there. He watched yeah, he, he does okay. He's spotted. The suit goons chase him, but him and Ellie run up some stairs into the rafters and then he dumps the whole box of buttons into the room onto the computers and the goons. They all start firing because of the ad. They kill all the robots and destroy the kind of robot controls. Yeah. <laughs> so why the, didn't any, any animals appear, Ken? Why didn't because any they're not organic. Bugs? 
Ah, clever. Snaps for you. And as the pumpkin flashes, we get a top-down shot of the computer circle that is laid out like Stonehenge mm-hmm. with its sacrifices. I appreciated that a yeah, lot. I love, and then I really love this kind of like sequence of shots that we get. We get a shot where we get a shot looking down at Cochrane from the point of view of this blue stone. Mm-hmm. Mm. Where he looks like a puny human. Mm. Like he is messing with forces way above even he as a 3,000-year-old dwarf (laughs) should be messing with. And then he turns and looks up at the stone like, oh, no, I made ancient. uh, No, no, no. Wait. Then we get him looking at at He does it afterwards. Ah. He looks up at the stone like, oh, no, I made ancient daddy warlock mad. (laughs) Yeah. The computer circle starts spinning with blue energy. Mm Mm-hmm. Cochrane looks up to the rafters and gives Chalice a little clap for the joke that he's played on him. In one of the <laughs> best moments of film history. I love that. Yeah, I it's a very good like, moment. Well played, so. Yeah. You have got me at my it. own game. Uh, no, the Bluestone and the sacrificial circle zap Cochrane to ash and he just ceases to exist. Mm-hmm. It's fucking great. And then the Bluestone explodes with power and the whole factory, all the masks start burning mm-hmm. and the whole factory kind of goes up in flames, lighting the sky of Santa Mira as Chalice and Ellie just get the fuck out of town. The the fire effect on the building. It's a comp shot afterwards. Right. So yeah. it's just like so the, the shot of the building and then like a small fire that they've put in the background. Yeah, it's an optical composite because yeah. it doesn't, it's a little janky. It's like yeah. the only really kind of janky looking effect in the- in It's the very home. of the time though. Yeah, that, yeah. So yeah. So the, so the factory is burning down. It's 8.48. And on the car radio, there's an ad telling kids to hurry home because Mm. it's almost time for the big giveaway. Chalice has to do something to call somebody. He asks Ellie if she's all right. She's been real quiet. In fact, she hasn't said a word since the rescue. Did you guys notice? I did notice. I have a note that says Ellie's a robot. I didn't notice. And I wrote that because she was not acting like herself. (laughs) No. I didn't notice she didn't say a word. But I knew as soon as I saw her when he came to get her because she didn't move or react. Yeah. So, yeah, she's a robot. She tries to kill him and the car crashes. Yeah. I love the way he kind of like rolls back. He like kind of like bounces backwards out of the car door after the crash. Yeah. And there's a great fake out where you can see her hand in the car and you think she's still in the car. But when he comes around, it's just her robot arm. Yeah. Right. She attacks him. He ends up like knocking her head off with a tire iron. Mm-hmm. We get a good shot of her head still blinking, sitting on the ground next to her body, which is yeah, great. So she's it. in a box under the ground with her head sticking out. I love and that. And the shit. body is fake. Yeah, it's great. Um, Do you reckon these days in modern filmmaking, it's more often that they're doing that with an actor than pros- than like prosthetics because it's so easy the to do head these would days. Just be CGI. <laughs> yeah, true, the true, true, true. Just be C- the, the whole head would just be CGI. Yeah, CGI fuck, I totally forgot about CGI for a moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he gets back in the car and the arm attacks him. I love this. Great. I knew it. Like, I was like, please, please, please. And then when it does it, yeah. I was like, yes. <laughs> and then, and then uh, he throws the arm and then she attacks him without a head again. Like it yeah. goes on for a little while, but it's kind of great because it just keeps on coming, coming back. Yeah. And then he ends up running away and we go back to where we all started. A crazy man running up to Walter's gas station. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, don't I know you? <laughs> Walter kind of recognizes him. On the phone, Chalice is pleading with them to turn off the big giveaway, which has already started. We're in the intro of the big giveaway. If it goes out, it means the death of millions of people, everyone watching. Don't you understand that? If it was 
say it's a bomb, then say say whatever you want, say whatever you like, just get it off the air. And Walter's just kind of like taking it all in, chilling, as in mm. the background, a car pulls up that has kids in it, and he offers the kids some candy. Mm. Then one of the kids goes over to the the TV because the they're wearing the ads self, on the, yeah wearing yeah. a silver and the ads on. Chalice begs for them to believe him, and on the TV broadcast, it's interrupted by technical difficulties. Mm. The kid switches channels. It's playing on that channel too. It's also very quickly interrupted by technical difficulties. The kid switches channels. The third channel is still playing the ad. The pumpkin on the TV starts flashing, and we cut backwards and forwards between the flashing pumpkin and a close-up of Chalice. Aha, yes, 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 yes. It's his face. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. There's no more time. You've got to... Please, stop it. Stop it now. Turn it off. Turn it off. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Cut to black. I loved it. You know why I loved it? Because he's a fucking... Asshole. Okay. You sure. know what I mean? But so like, all the children deserve to die? No, but no, 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 no. But the, the logic of this man is not a good man, so the ending is not a happy ending, I thought was nice. Right. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that those two things are necessarily connected. No, but, no, no. But, I know. But the ending is like fucking an yeah. all timer. Yeah. Kira was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about just, how you talk about your reaction? Just shock. I did not expect it to not. Resolve and yeah. Oh, it resolved. All the kids died. All the kids died. <laughs> we don't know that. There was a mass sacrifice. Yeah. We don't Halloween, know that. Halloween never happened again. Yeah. And he became 3,000. He'd be able to. It's a fantastic ending, years. but in the moment it was just a shock. It was a massive shock. Yeah. He, he also, in this moment, kind of had like some nice dramatic chops. I think he, he did well in this. Yeah. Like, Close up of like this older man, really like desperate. Him saying "stop it," just yeah. repeating "stop it, stop it" with the flashing pumpkins, and then the yeah. cut to black is just like fucking amazing because that has so the good. potential to come off really cheesy and schlocky, you yeah. know? Yeah, okay. but, but it, it was does good. not. So yeah. I, have a, I have a story about the end of the movie. Oh, okay. Right. Universal, who distributed, as I talked about, they distributed the movie. They didn't produce the movie. Yeah. So they weren't involved in the production of the movie. Fucking hated it. Really? <laughs> well, like, you can't end a movie like this. You yeah. cannot do this. They asked Carpenter to change it so that there was a scene afterwards where we see the good triumphed over evil, mm-hmm. that, that the, the, the mask misfired. Or I whatever, love these types right? of endings. I like, you know, there is a there is a place for this kind of ending. Yeah. Like, obviously, I don't want every movie to end, no, like, end like this, but occasionally you want that what the fuck. Yeah. Ending, right? Another movie that does that kind of does this ending, which I think is more recent that's great, is Upgrade, the Lee Winnell movie. Oh my god, I forgot about that movie. Keen, I still haven't seen the end of it. Oh well. Don't oh worry. my god. Don't worry about it. <laughs> anyway, it has a it has a cut to black that is like a fucking great cut to black. It I know what a, I'm gonna be doing this other. <laughs> anyway. Fuck. So it has Do you remember how pumped I was watching that at your place? Oh yeah, and then you never saw the end of it. And then I had to go. Oh my god. Oh yeah, I remember that. I tried to show you that movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyway, so they wanted a scene where good triumphs over evil. So Carpenter calls Tommy Lee Wallace and tells him what Universal wants and asks him if he would consider changing it. And John also says to him, We'll do whatever you want to do. Right. Now, as I mentioned, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, yeah. the 1950s version, was a massive influence on Tommy Lee Wallace and what he added to the screenplay of this movie. Now, that movie has a tacked-on happy ending, hopeful ending, mm. 
because back in the 1950s, they wouldn't Same let shit. him make yeah. a bleak movie. And Tommy Lee Wallace has always hated that fucking ending. <laughs> so he tells John Carpenter he wants to leave it as is. Carpenter tells the studio, that's the movie. Baller. End of story. Fucking baller. And that's probably why Universal didn't put a lot of effort into the marketing of this movie. Aww. Because they hated the ending. That they didn't sucks. have to put effort in. They just had to tell you that Michael Myers, Myers wasn't, wasn't going to be in it. Yeah. But it's the right ending for this movie. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. For this movie, it's completely the right ending. But you know what I mean, where yeah, if it's a happy the, ending and this guy gets vindicated, it wouldn't feel right. Yeah, that's the thing is a, a happy ending would suck for this movie and seeing the actual outcome and having all of the kids in the world die you don't have to see it it's kind of more dramatic if you don't so well so there's so there's as much as i screamed at the tv when it happened (laughs) i agree with the the dramatic choice talk about it being uh ambiguous i don't think it's ambiguous at all i think it's clear that that cochran's plan works to me but it is just a cut to black. We don't actually see the outcome. Mm-hmm. So I guess it is ambiguous. <laughs> but maybe I just don't think it is for me. Maybe not as many children died think, because maybe not everybody changed the channel. Mm, yeah. I think instead of it being ambiguous and if we take the idea of what happened to the kids out, I think the ending for me is just this man being tortured. And I think that was a really, really nice way to end this movie. And also – just to go back to him not being vindicated, you know, go along with the idea that his love interest isn't an automaton the whole time, which I still think is wrong. Okay. He just left her to die in that, in that fire. So, like... No, I think she's already dead. She's already dead. They killed her and replaced her. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they do. <laughs> ah, ah, body snatchers. Yeah, I get it's, it. It's She's a pod person. Yeah, 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 yeah. An appropriate age to have seen Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, me neither. Um, there are some horrifical, horrifical. Uh, there's some, some gore. Yeah, there is some horrific parts you to it. You me the cover, please. In Australia, it is rated M15 for adult concepts. Most of the mm. horrific stuff happens to automatons, though, so like. People get their faces blasted yeah. apart. Man yeah, there's a couple head, of things that are haunting. Man has his head pulled straight off. Yeah, that's true. I think 10, mm. 10 to 12 sort of thing, like mm. kind of like primary school. yeah. 10 might be a little early, but if I go by, fuck, if I go by my niece and nephew who are like, like when they were like nine and seven, were like, oh, how sick is it? You know what I mean? They yeah. loved like it. But that's because of Mimi. Yeah, true. We're that's why they, that's why they heard time. about it and yeah. got into it, but they were not phased by that shit, you know? Yeah. Eight yeah. to 10 would be fine, I think. Uh, yeah, 10 to 12. You were uh, 16. Well, no, sorry. No, you were 2017. You were... 30-something. Do that maths quickly. <laughs> it was 30-something. Yeah. Yeah, it was like 35. Yeah, I wish I'd seen this movie when I was younger. I would have loved this movie when I was younger. Yeah, I sure. love this movie now. Like, Do I, you think that you would have been one of the people who hated it because you expected Michael Myers to be in it? Or do you think that you would have gotten past it? I think I might have been one of the people that were like, oh, this is shit, it hasn't got Michael Myers. Mm. But now I'm like, yeah. it's my equal first favourite Halloween movie. Yeah. Really? Honestly, it, like Halloween is like a, a classic the way that Hitchcock made classic movies like it is a movie that has it also aside from being a classic movie it is also a movie that impacted the cultural landscape in a way that you forever have to recognize no matter how you feel about it that it is one of the greatest movies of all, all time by that by that standard yeah in terms okay. of its impact on pop culture right yeah halloween 3 is not that yeah it is the exact opposite but for me 
in terms of a piece of an entertainment. I think it's almost as well as as well made as as Halloween, but in a different way because it's not trying to do the same thing. I didn't I didn't feel like that. I re- I enjoyed watching the movie and I enjoyed the concepts. Mm-hmm. I think is a good word. The concepts of you this like the movie. ideas of it. Yeah, I love the execution of the ideas. I love that it's a mystery. execution is great. Don't get me wrong. I love that it's a movie that un- that unfolds. It's a mm. movie that's un- unnerving. It's a movie that it's a movie that makes crazy fucking choices. Yeah, it's a movie that doesn't exist in 2022. Like nobody makes this movie in 2022. The f- the funny thing is is if I had seen this as a younger man, because you guys know I'm not as big of a horror fan as you yeah. guys. If I had seen this as a younger kid, because I remember seeing horror movies that were like fucking nightmare fuel. You know what I mean? I got a few of those. Yeah. yeah. And this would have been a way better introduction to horror. And I feel like I would be more of a fan. Yeah. I definitely think this is good. Uh, what did you call? Gateway when- horror. Gateway horror. Gateway this horror. great gateway horror. Yeah. I think it's a little bit adult in its uh, character. There isn't characters for children to relate to. Yeah, right. to connect even to. when a movie, Older even gateway. when you are even when you are like a, a preteen, you still watch movies with teenagers because mm. you want to be a teenager, right? Yes. Nobody wants to be 46, 47 yeah. year old Dr. Chalice. Yeah. Right. So I think that it's probably a little bit harder. But if I had seen this movie when I was like 13, 14, 15, yeah. I would have been I would have been super into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you watch this movie again of your own free will? Yes. Yeah. It's fucking great fun. Yeah. I mean I watched this movie Four times this week. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't watch it regularly, but like Halloween's around and you want to watch a scary movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. fuck yeah. Date you, night you, kind you, of you thing. You and Ellie should definitely do first three Halloweens for- Yeah. As a, like, fuck it. I, am I allowed to? Between now and We will do, eventually do. I mean, that original Halloween tape is like two and a half grand. So It'll I think we've got be a, a while shit. before we do it. Yeah. Wow. Halloween okay. rental tapes are like fucking crazy. Price. That's insane. A rating for Halloween season, the witch, the way that we rate movies is on a five star scale with one being, I hated this movie two being, I did not like this movie two and a half being, I liked parts of this movie. It was fine. Three being, I liked this movie four being, I love this movie five being, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's pretty clear where I stand. So I'm just going to blow my rating right now. Mm. This is a five star movie for me. Yeah. I tell you what's funny. I feel like horror is for me anyway, horror is such a craft heavy, heavy genre. It's hard to make a horror movie. Yeah. Like it, it there, as I said to you, there's like rules, there's expectations and you can use those rules against them. There is a, there is a very unique, it's almost like its own in, especially like slasher movies. Right. And this is not a slasher movie, but with slasher movies, there's genres. It's like its own, it's like its own art form. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I think that's why I don't think if it's, if it's a movie that it is at all good, which Halloween three is, you have to start at like a three or a 2.5 where parts of it is good. And I, this is not, I don't, this is not one of my favorite movies of all time. So I have to solidly give it a four because it's fucking great fun. 4.5. Ooh, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. Strong. You were really into this? Yeah, I had a great time. I mean, I could tell that because we watched it together. I could tell that you were that you were kind of into it. Yeah, and your I think end, it, I, your end reaction was yeah. just like classic Kira Priceless. That's like mm. that, and that your reaction was your re- spoilers. Your reaction to when to not Penny's boat in Lost, <sighs> right? Where Charlie. you just with Charlie in Lost, where you just were like, no, we are no. You just yelled no for like ten minutes and walked out of the room, and it took me a week to convince you to watch any more Lost. <laughs> now this wasn't that extreme, no, but it I was wasn't in the, angry at it. But it was in the realm of 
one of those things where one you were those. like, you were like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. it just, what happened? Yeah. Next week. <gasps> you get to pick. Oh, fuck yeah. The way that we pick movies. I do swear a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the way that we pick movies is that Kira and Brody alternate taking turns speaking from a list of three choices I have prepared from the store. This week, it is Brody's pick. If a movie remains unpicked for three times, it's struck out, taken off the list, although I can bring it back at a later date of my choosing. Still on the list is only one movie. Gaiva! Which is Guy Dark Hero with two strikes. Oh, Don't even show me the others. I know, that's what's <laughs> annoying because I want I want to make a plea to you to realise that this is the episode that comes out the week of Halloween. <laughs> next, the next podcast we film. No, this one. Film. As in, yeah, like, yeah, this one. The movie that you are picking now will come out is the our week Halloween of Halloween. Episode. Is our Halloween episode. With that in mind, I did pick two Halloween movies. I don't know how they're going to be Gaivu, Dark Hero, Half Man, Half Alien, All Hero. I don't know either. (laughs) And honestly, as much as it was a great, like, holy shit, we watched a trailer, I'm going to put Gaivu on the list. Mm. I kind of wish that I hadn't. (laughs) Because I know. Don't tell me that. I know. Because. You know how I'm affected by your two emotions. I know. And I really want to watch Gaivu, Dark Hero. Like, so much. So do I. But now the plea is working. But we watched a non-John Carpenter, John Carpenter movie. Oh, don't do it. Don't do it, Ken. So I'm putting two John Carpenter movies on the list. For Halloween. For Halloween. (sighs) Two of them. Not one, two John Carpenter movies on the list. If there's one on there that I think there's on there, I'm going to have to pick it. Because Halloween. (laughs) The first is John Carpenter's The Fog. You've been trying to make me watch that movie for years. This I have. This, this is has been on the, the like, because he does little lists for me of, here's all the movies that we have a choice of watching, and that movie has been on the list so many times. This is one of those films that I know is a gap in my knowledge, and I've, I have been meaning to watch it. The fog. When the fog rolls in, the terror begins. Fuck. The second John Carpenter movie... I've picked is another one that I have also mentioned on this podcast. Okay. I mentioned it during the recording of our showdown in little Tokyo episode, Ooh. because it shares a location with showdown in little Tokyo. We're going to revisit the church from showdown in little Tokyo. If you pick this movie, Ooh. Prince of darkness, also starring Donald Pleasance from Halloween. <laughs> I do remember you talking about this. Now Kira hasn't seen neither of these movies. These are two John Carpenter movies that we have never gone to because they've been hard sells. John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Before man walked the earth, it slept for centuries. It is evil. It is real. It is awakening. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I hate this. So your three choices. Guy of a Dark Hero. Mm -hmm. John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. John Mm -hmm. Carpenter's The Fog. Look, I'm not going to lie. I don't know much about the Prince of Darkness. I can't remember what you said about it. I just I know. remember the liquid liquid Satan thing. <laughs> liquid so- Satan is a fucking seller, yeah. but I feel like I'm tossing up between the fog and Guyver because I know a bit about the fog and I I'm very interested in the fog. The story sounds dope. May I ask which one's more wacky? Oh, uh, I mean, mm, I don't know. Wacky, I feel like. Most. Uh, no, of the two, these two. Oh. Um, I feel like based on the vague amount of knowledge I have of these two that this one would be more that, sorry, that 
uh, I get the impression that Prince of Darkness would be more wacky than The Fog. I feel like The Fog is more... John Carpenter doesn't... John Carpenter does has only done wacky like a couple of times. I don't know if he does wacky. He does. I think tonally he does, his wackiness suits. I think he does. Yeah. He does. He does like crazy concept in a very I'm treating the material seriously manner, mm. right? And both of these movies treat their subject material very, very seriously. Not to mean so seriously that they're not wildly entertaining because they're full of crazy ideas. Ken, mm-hmm. can we make a deal? <laughs> You can offer a deal, and, and then you I can, can indicate it. whether it may or may not happen. So, you're, so what you would like is for me to break the rules of the podcast and bring Guyver back next week? No, nothing, nothing is that serious. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is, if say perhaps Guyver didn't get chosen this and week, was put into the reject pile. Yes, could it come back soon? What I would say to you is that I was very keen to watch Guyver. I was put it in front of you as soon as I possibly could. I put it in front of you. You know, I've wanted to choose this every week. I know that. But I also fully feel like horror right now. After watching Halloween 3, like I'm in a horror mood. Because it's Halloween. Makes sense. It is Halloween. It is the most wonderful time of the year. (laughs) And I know it's your favorite holiday. Um, It's the only holiday I like. I think there's a good chance that he would bring it back soon just based on the only one he's brought back so far is Showdown in Little Tokyo, which we know he also really wanted us to see. So right. I think you've got a good chance. Kira, put a hand on the scale. My, I mean, may, my hand is on the scale of pick one of the horror movies. Yeah, out um, of the horror. <laughs> I'm, I'm accepting that Ken, in his malevolent benevolence, will possibly eventually bring back Ivor. So I've accepted that... It's fucking Halloween. Let's do this shit. <laughs> <Good one>. um. <laughs> okay. I am more curious about Prince of Darkness. Wow. Okay. I I am looking for a quality horror. They're both very the well made movies. John Carpenter movies. They're both John Carpenter movies. Okay. Last question. I just told you that The Thing is one of my all time favorite movies. Yeah. The Thing is, the thing is so we, are you wondering which one's closer? Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Essentially, what if if the thing is one of my all time so favorite different. movies, which is going to be a good oh, a good? What so would make a good double feature? With yeah, yeah, that's a great question. You coming loves, out of the gates hard today. Ken loves a double feature. Yeah, <laughs> the thing is so singular. I fucking love it. Yeah, so do I. Do you ever play the PlayStation game? There's a game. There was yeah. There's a PlayStation Two game where you. It's set within the. You come to the. You're like the first the person. Station. You're the first person that gets there. Oh, after, I love it. And then you kind of like rediscover. Every, like it's fucking great. It was one of the That's hardest. Mad. It was also one of the hardest games I've ever played. Like you die so easy. Fuck. And then and you would have to start like the level all over again. Like it was just so. Fr- I never finished it. It was also fucking terrifying. Right? <laughs> yeah, you love your horror games. I get very scared in games. Oh no, I get scared of horror games. <laughs> yeah, horror he gets games more scare scared me more in, than horror yeah. movies. Neither of them are really close. The thing, the thing, not close, but a good, as Kira said, a good double feature. A good double feature. But leave, a- leave a similar taste in your mouth almost. Mm, I don't, but I don't know if I would put ever those two John Carpenter movies. If Ooh. you were like, let's do The Thing and another John Carpenter movie, I might show you, I would probably go to Kurt Russell's, right? Because Kurt Russell is, mm. Kurt Russell and John Carpenter are so intertwined with each other in this period of time, right? Mm. So I would probably go The Thing and Escape from New York. Oh, that is a great double feature. Fuck yeah. <laughs> that is an excellent you double feature. You get to hang out with Kurt Russell twice doing yeah. two completely different things. Right? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Now I want to do that this afternoon. 
Okay, Brody. I can't Go do it. With the I'm, gut. I'm going with the gut and I'm leaning towards fog. <laughs> the, fo- the fog. John Carpenter's The Fog. The mm-hmm. fog. Cool. God, that was so agonizing. I <laughs> that hurt Fuck so man. much. To do. We've been really good time-wise for the past couple of podcasts. We've had it like we just moved through things stuff. Yeah. This is like the longest record we've there done was, in a long time. No, but this is a long pod because the movie had so much Lots to talk about. To, yeah. to talk about. Yeah, the decision just then was fucking long because you just put the hardest decision in front of me. <laughs> well, I'm. That's what I'm here to do. You fucking do. Don't like. Don't subscribe. Definitely do not watch the big giveaway. That weird kid video. I did it this time. Good job. Um, but also do watch and subscribe and do all those things. No, stay off the internet. No, nah, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, trick or treat, motherfuckers. Silver Shamrock. And it's a joke for the children. Scene. <laughs> <laughs>